Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are thrilled to have a very special guest with us. We have Giraffe from Strange New Pod. Hello, hello, hello. Thank Woo-hoo. you for having me. I think it's becoming a tradition now, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm uh, <laughs> the third host, fourth host <laughs> to guest on your podcast. I think right? we've only had Julian on, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. second. Yay! Giraffe, <laughs> <laughs> we are so excited to have you in the studio today. I mean, I was lucky enough to meet Giraffe in person over Mission Chicago weekend, so that was a blast. So good to see you again. I don't know if meeting me during a convention is being lucky, but it's <laughs> eventful for sure. <laughs> it was very eventful. I was so- I was so glad to meet you too. I was like all over the place, but it was a great convention. And it was so yeah. cool to meet all these podcasters that we usually see only on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, so Happy. fun. I was watching from Twitter and seeing all these people like on their Twitter accounts posting about the convention. And then Rihanna would text me a picture that she took with them. And I was like, wow. <laughs> <That's really living>. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been, it's just so nice to have you on. I know we've been on strange new pod i think once and then we participated in picard week which was fucking amazing i'm just gonna start swearing now because whenever we have guests on we can swear so i just am so happy (laughs) that we have uh strange new pod is like our podcast sister brother sibling (laughs) cousin we're neighbors (laughs) <laughs> yeah, all the above. Absolutely. So for those of you who have not listened to Strange New Pod, Giraffe, can you tell us about how you started watching Star Trek? Uh, so I started quite young in the 80s, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, one of my friends had uh, cable TV. Oh, nice. and yeah woo you know you, we all have that friend who had cable tv and then had totally. internet somehow yeah so i spent a lot of time at that friend and on cable tv in france uh, there was star trek tos and i remember being absolutely fascinated by it especially um because there was a black woman on the bridge it took me some time to know what star trek was because in france it's so not a thing mm-hmm. why We don't know, but that's (laughs) like this. Uh, And um, I think I came back later in the 90s um, to Star Trek with TNG. We always have like um, such a time difference with uh, between the US and France. So maybe we got Voyager like in 2005. Oh my gosh. (laughs) When Enterprise was over. That's crazy. (laughs) I think I didn't know Enterprise existed until like maybe 2010. Wow. (laughs) Fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I watched all this on VHS and you know then uh, pirating them on the internet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that's what Rihanna and I did too. Yeah, yeah, totally. we pirated everything. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think the Kelvinverse movie really like brought me back to TOS. 
Um, and I rediscovered the series. We are in like 2010, 2012, something like this. Oh yeah. Uh, I think moving to the US is what really got me into the the Trekkieverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to be a Star Trek fan abroad. Very, mm. very hard. Um, so um, here I was able to, you know, buy all the goodies, have yeah. all the uniforms, <laughs> and the pandemic brought me to Strange New Pod. And that's why I'm here now. That's all their fault. They're all to blame. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Honestly, like, I'm so glad that you're such a fan of the Kelvin movies because I feel like a lot of people who, like, I don't know, because Ashley and I were sort of using that as our introduction. And, of course, we're, like, huge fans of those movies. And I just know it gets so much flack and people get so, like, up in arms about it. So it's just really nice to meet a fellow lover of (laughs) the Kelvin movies. You know that Julian has a special beep on the show for every time I say Kelvin verse so and awful. he beeps me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so Savage. when you hear me like, you know, it reminds me of like beep it's a Kelvin verse. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean these movies are you know, ups and downs. I'm very glad they're mm-hmm. gonna do a fourth one because maybe we're gonna have better female characters. But <laughs> Yes please <laughs> But they're good movies. They're good movies. They're they're entertaining. And they brought people into uh, Star Trek. So, you know, that's a plus. Absolutely. That's mostly what Ash and I were saying, too, when we did our movie series. Like, it brought a lot of our age fans into it and like Ashton and I were the only people our age who really watched Star Trek until the Kelvin movies and then Mm -hmm. like a whole bunch of our friends at least were like interested in it or at least like knew about it which was a step up to literally us just like being the only Trek fans in middle school and high school so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's funny because we have a very similar experience so I, I that's yeah it's so interesting I haven't thought about how hard it would be to be a Star Trek fan abroad before. I've literally never thought about it. So I'm glad you brought that perspective because I'm just, I take for granted, you know, that we can just Mm -hmm. watch it anywhere. And it's pretty, like, I don't have any real life friends who like Star Trek, honestly. So like, (laughs) I have my online community. Real life people. Yeah. (laughs) All my friends growing up were like, what shirt? Why is there a bald man on your chest right now? And I'm like, you guys don't get it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, work with French people and I wear uh, a lot of uh, Star Trek shirts or like uh-huh. Star Trek bags and our office manager was what is that weird symbol you have everywhere is that like religious, <laughs> religious. And I was like yes I mean kind of <laughs> but yeah um, you know just to touch about Paramount not releasing mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek in, in Europe or uh, releasing it with uh, a slight uh, you know, a week apart or something. Yeah. I mean, again, we had to wait for 2000. I just checked 2005 for the season three of Voyager. Oh and my God. It was oh. before. I mean, there was internet in 2005, I suppose. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it now with internet and all the platforms, it should be easier. It should be automatic. But yeah, you yeah. know, I'm I'm an old Trekkie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I suffered. Yeah, I mean, but it's so true. Like, literally, Paramount is just being so annoying. And, like, you know you there's so many international fans. Like, give them the same love that you give the U.S. fans. Come on. Like, it's just ridiculous. I'm really worried that we're losing, like, a generation to 
to Star Trek, like people who don't have Paramount, you know, mm -hmm. now that they're not on Netflix in the US and they're mm -hmm. not on Hulu, like before, if I wanted to watch a Star Trek movie, I could go to like four different streaming sites and now like a yeah. lot of them are mo only on Paramount. And so I just get stressed about that sometimes because how will people who don't have it see it, you know, yeah, unless they have cable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Literally. Well, yep. I know it's impossible to choose, but who would your favorite character be if you could narrow it down? <laughs> Only Discovery or all Star all, Trek? Everything, Any Trek. anything you want. I mean, it's written on my Twitter yeah. Twitter bio. I'm the creator of everything Uhura. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, she's my favorite character, like Hands down, I have a kind of uh, troubling collection of <laughs> items. I feel like it's you know, a shrine almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when 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 a collection begins an addiction, a problem, <laughs> a statement for your mental health, I don't know. So I literally like have so many things I cannot have them all together at the same place. But yeah, she's the character that brought me into Star Trek. She's the character that kept me into Star Trek. She's the character that gets me excited about next Star Trek. Yes, so yes. I'm going to use that platform to uh, send a message. I was at the last convention of Nichelle Nichols. I was at the first convention of Celia Gooding. Oh, and yes. I'm missing Zoe Saldana. Somebody find me Zoe Saldana. <laughs> I need yes. a picture <laughs> with her. I will go anywhere. She's like my, my missing link. Yeah. <laughs> You're missing Uhura to the trifecta. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have exactly. to go to trifecta. like... I bet you go to like a general comic con and there's like an avatar panel and you just yeah. like, hey, <laughs> I'm here for Uhura. I'll go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll go. I'll find her a Marvel convention. I don't even know if that exists. I right? will find her. But yes. yeah, if you know if she's anywhere doing pictures, please so DM me at lyrical and the dash giraffe with one F. <laughs> Send me a message. We will yeah, be on the lookout. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my god, that's amazing. I just I love that like it's sort of giraffe's like thing also that she's a Hura fan so I love getting to like send her a Hura content or just like know that like oh my gosh like you now you're getting this a Hura renaissance as well like I'm just so happy for you. This is awesome. And she can sing, so I'm it's expecting amazing. Um, uhura <laughs> oh, yeah. songs. In. She better, <laughs> yeah. she better, right? Thank yeah. you. I'll petition. <laughs> yeah. Well, so one question that we ask before we dive in to the feminism topic on our podcast, and I don't think we—I think we forgot to prep you for this, so you'll just have to do it <laughs> yeah. on the fly. Um, but we we ask. So I'm going to start with Rihanna. If you had to choose any man in Discovery or trans, like anyone who identifies as non-female, who would you say drinks the most respect woman juice? All right. Well, I mean, this is kind of like too hard because there's so many men who are respectful of women in Discovery that it's not like, you know, I'm choosing Spock into US. This is like, yeah. this is hard. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I mean... 
I have a bias because he's my man, but Saru has to be my answer because I think that like all of his interactions with Tarina, he was very respectful. Even though he likes her, he still is not like sexualizing her or making her this sort of object of just like desire and romance. Like he respects her as a Vulcan and as a woman. And also I think that like, though he had a lot of issues with Michael when she mutinied and had a lot of those problems, they still were able to push past that and become such great friends. And like any woman he's interacted with, especially with Tilly, like I love the respect that he gives her and the trust of being her like interim first officer for a while and all of that. So I think that my choice is definitely Saru. He just is really drinking that juice all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Ashlyn, how about you? Who do you think drinks the most respect woman juice? Well, like you said, this one's tough and I feel like a sign of like a very respectful show is that I can only think of Lorca who like doesn't respect women, <laughs> you know? Hey, hey, Prime Lorca did nothing oh, wrong. No, you're yeah, right. Prime. You're right. No. <laughs> Man, me and Prime Lorca, we, mm, I really... They would go with yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I would want to be Admiral Cornwall in that situation. Oh, <laughs> It's too early. It's only like 3 p.m. I know, I know. I gotta, I gotta cool it down. (laughs) No, I, yeah, Saru is a great choice. I'm, just to be different, I'm going to say Captain Pike. And I feel like it's important to mention him because if you watch the original series pilot with him, he's, it's so problematic. He says, I can't get used to having a woman on the bridge. It's like Mm -hmm. so sexist, just like blatantly so. And so... To have Anson Mount come to this role and just be like, wow, so good. Uh, I feel like he just treats women with respect. He treats everyone with respect. And it's similar to what you said about Saru. Like, I don't feel him... Just my dog shaking. I feel like he doesn't use... (laughs) (laughs) My dog's... He doesn't use a power dynamic at all when talking to women, and even though he's a captain, and he's surrounded by women, I think especially in season two is when the bridge is almost entirely women. It's just like Mm -hmm. him and Reese, you know? Um, Yeah, yeah, I just, I love Pike. I think he's great, and he, I think Anson Mao especially, like, brings so much to the role. So I'm going to go with Pike. Great. Yeah, nice. I, I, I got uh, I got a bit worried that you would like somebody would choose my answer because I was going to uh-huh. go Sarah and then you went Sarah. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to yeah. find somebody else. <laughs> oh yeah, and <laughs> I'm gonna go Dr. Culber. Okay. Uh, yes. Great answer. Yeah, and it's not only that like it drinks. What do you call that? The drinks the respect woman. Yes. Respect yes. woman <laughs> juice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Your gender is irrelevant to him in the idea that he treats everybody as a person. I, w- I was going to say a human, but no, because yeah, <laughs> there are so many non-human, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but everybody is a person. Everybody is unique. Everybody is one body, one mind. And every time they come and talk with him, especially in season four, you see that his way of talking to anybody is not is always adapted to who they are. And mm-hmm. and that is all. And I think it's very beautiful. So yeah, good job, Discovery. Yeah, <laughs> all great choices, man. I, I think I take Colbert for granted as being mm-hmm. just like naturally, like of course he does. You know, he's better well, than yeah. So many we've talked about so many series now. Discoveries are uh, third to last because we still have yeah. Picard, 
and prodigy and lower decks. and lower decks yeah. oh my god <laughs> and strange new world but like by then <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly literally yeah two weeks two weeks crazy yeah well and giraffe i'm glad you brought up colbert as well because i feel like often in medical roles there can be some bias on gender or race or sexuality and stuff and i'm really glad that colbert doesn't ever bring that into the discussion or into like his therapy or anything and that's also so important great point rihanna (laughs) thank you yes okay well let's do it um we are going to be doing something special on this episode because there are so many women in Discovery. So and it, it's a celebration. Because when we started yeah. off doing this with the original series, we were like, okay, there's Ahura, there's Chapel. We had to like do the, we had to do DC Fontana. Like we really had to mm-hmm. dig. We're like Yeoman Ranch. Like, are yeah. there literally any women in this episode? You know? I mean, um, we just got done talking about Enterprise, which was sort of a shit show when it comes to feminism. So. It was rough. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Enterprise, the only characters that I didn't want to murder were Hoshi and Tipol. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else was like, please kill them. Everyone please else let them die. <laughs> and I love Connor Trinier, but I mm-hmm. literally cheered when he died. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I, Whoa. Could, I cannot deal with Trip. Like, I think I watched every single episode of Enterprise in, like, three months because it was the uh-huh. last series I had not seen. Yeah. I suffered through it, I'm going to be honest. And I think every single episode I was like, please kill Trip. Please, kill Trip. please, please give me a warp call incident and kill him. And I didn't know that he died in the last episode. Oh, no. I had no idea. You were literally and we watched it. Wish. We watched it all together and they all knew and they were like are you ready are you ready i was like what are you talking about i was like why is there Riker? what is happening yeah. and then he dies and I'm like, oh, oh no freedom. wow what? hot takes up in yeah. here i i hated that finale because again why is Riker there it's Literally. yeah it's terrible <laughs> um wow but okay anyway <laughs> Yeah, so we are celebrating all of the women, and we literally went through and found every single woman that appears in Discovery. We went a little crazy, yeah. and there are like over 20 women yeah, that appear. We're going to be talking about 26 women today. But that doesn't mean this episode's going to be like six hours long, because what we're going to be doing is we have main characters, like the main women that we're going to be discussing, and then we have a ton of side characters that we're going to be giving little toasts to. So I have a beer because it's later for me in the Eastern yeah. <laughs> time zone, and I'm actually going to be doing toasts. So grab a drink, grab some water, coffee. Oh my God, Giraffe has an amazing mug that says Vulcans never bluff. He's <laughs> like sparkling poker oh and with the gourd. Oh my God. <laughs> and what's that other species with the, oh, the yeah. horn? And Mugatu. Yes, the Mugatu. Yeah, Mugatu. Oh my God, yes, amazing. <laughs> So giraffe has her beautiful got mug. Coffee. Yes, I've got my beer. Like, grab a water, whatever you have around you, because um, we're gonna be giving out some toasts. So. Yes. So just okay. get ready. They're gonna be random and they're gonna be wonderful. So with giraffe, we are gonna be discussing the amazing character of Michael Burnham, and mm-hmm. for her character, we obviously I just recommend you watching all of Discovery. <laughs> um, but, but the ones that we focused on were Battle at the Binary Stars in season one, and then Such Sweet Sorrow in season two, Unification part three in season three, and then Stormy Weather and Coming Home in season four. And if you 
know what coming home is it's the finale of discovery yes. so if you have not se seen the finale or if you have not finished season four you need to leave and come back yeah. later because we're gonna be <laughs> literally it's spoiler city up in here yeah absolutely yeah and i'm i am like sad of course that we couldn't talk more just more and more michael episodes like ashlyn said but I feel like these ones uh, really focus on her journey, and we did take out a lot. We were going to put in some more family-oriented, like, Spock-Michael ones, but we talked about uh, her and Spock and Sarek and her whole family at length. a lot yeah. at length in our family series. That whole so. <laughs> ordeal of a family. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. Um, so we're just going to be focusing on, like, her as an individual and as a, as a woman, so... Um, yeah, I'm just so excited, and I think we should just jump in to battle the binary stars. Yeah, let's do it. Rihanna, will you... Actually, no, I want to start. Okay, yeah, so... please. <laughs> um, I love... It's so interesting seeing this episode after seeing, like, season four, you know, we just finished, mm -hmm. because Michael is a baby! She is so oh, young yeah. in this mm -hmm. episode, and this is, of course, the, like, famous one where she like goes to jail forever like she gets a life sentence because she has mutinied against captain Giorgio in like the last second of the first episode and then in this one they're dealing with like the starting of the klingon war and everything and so i i thought it was really interesting we get to see especially in the first episode how close michael and Giorgio are you know they have that like walk in the sand together and mm. then in this one Michael is so desperate to protect her crew that she commits this mutiny. And this is a theme that we're going to talk about throughout, like, Michael's whole life, is that she saw her parents get murdered, you know, by Klingons, and she couldn't do anything because she was trapped in the closet hiding. And so she has this burden now and guilt for the rest of her life where she's going to take on these insurmountable, impossible tasks and actually accomplish them. You know, mm -hmm. um, and she talks about this like later in season four, because I think Michael does a great job unpacking her trauma. But yeah. um, in this first episode that we saw, she's just like raw, you know, she's angry, she's scared, she feels like she's doing the right thing at the cost of her entire career. So I just like, what were your first impressions about Michael? Um, did you notice a difference between like her arc to, compared to where she is now in season four? Actually, rewatching Discovery is always a journey because mm -hmm. I always think I know these episodes by heart and I see all these like tiny little things that I had not noticed somehow. Totally. And the first thing that, because I always take uh, the Vulcan Hello and the Battle of the Binary Stars like as a two-parter kind of mm -hmm. because there's totally. such a beautiful arc. I remember being very confused uh, the first minute of Discovery being like she's so Vulcan cutted and then I was like oh cool yep. <laughs> <laughs> totally great and I think it's the first time where she actually applies like Vulcan logic and it fails her and it yes. fails her drastically when basically they had like spoon feather like forced feather that logic will solve all her problems you know you're sad and you're desperate and you have ptsd from your parents death but if you follow logic you'll be good and she does that and she ends up 
in prison with nothing and she ends up being a failure which is mm -hmm. what she was trying to avoid at all costs since Lethe, right we mm -hmm. learned that later but i think the journey of michael starts with her trying the same system over and over again seeing that it fails her over and over again then meeting pa Spark again was like, hey, it failed me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, enjoy emotions because it's all fucked anyway. Yeah. Smash, yeah. Dang. So and, and I think it's really the catalyst to, to see that like cornered Michael that we see in the Battle of the Binary Star actually evolve to the captain that she's gonna be. Mm -hmm. um, don't start me on why she had to go through four seasons to be a captain, but right, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think we're going to talk about this later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think it's the real, like the first moment where the Vulcan paint just starts peeling, you know, and revealing all the cracks. And she doesn't have this, this kind of mask that she got used to wearing, like to blank everything that she is inside. So it's mm -hmm. an important point she really is the incarnation in uh, the Vulcan Hello, Hello, so Vulcan Hello, I have no H. <laughs> 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 <It's okay. laughs> of, uh, Michael really incarnates the idea, like the needs of the many outweighs the needs of the one. She sacrificed herself to save the crew and she fails and they, like a lot of people die and the war starts. So basically, she doesn't see that logic has failed her. She sees that she has failed logic because she didn't went all the way, which keeps the, the character in that conundrum for the whole season one until she really liberates with the next episode we will talk about. It's sorrow, right? Absolutely. Wow, that's such a beautiful perspective. I totally agree. I think that like Michael's journey is so interesting here because she is growing up so differently from Spock, but also so similarly, and sort of having to navigate like how she sees herself versus how like the Vulcan society sees her or how the human centric Starfleet, you know, crew of the Shenzo sees her. And I think too, how Giorgio sees her. And so she's dealing with these different perspectives and not knowing who she's supposed to be within them. And I think this is something about Michael is it takes her so long to figure out like who she is, which is like everyone. This is the thing that I love so much about Michael as a character is that we, for the first time, are getting someone flawed who works in Starfleet. You know, I think that so much of Starfleet officers are poster children and you have like, you see the cracks maybe, or you see they have different flaws and stuff, but for the most part, they're like, you know, these really buttoned up officers. I mean, I think about TNG in general is literally just a crew of these like exceptionally like just very straight laced very like starfleet officers and so the fact that we have our first mutineer being michael and having her sort of war with that like logic and human side is so interesting to me and also like i think michael really paved the way for characters like rafi in picard because like we're finally getting characters who are real and who have like issues and trauma and who are dealing with it also because star trek is now a show that is like has a whole series arc so they're able to like talk more about their specific um backgrounds and traumas and like ha have them you know have more character development and that really serves these characters well but i think that she really paves the way to showing that other women can be flawed and still 
do incredible things and still be like immensely impressive and all of this stuff and that's what Michael always reminds me of is like oh yeah I'm struggling too but like I can still do amazing things you know and it's a reminder of how badass she is so this episode's so wild though to see after knowing all of her path because I'm like wow she truly is so young and hasn't learned enough about herself and about her place and so and like where she feels like she belongs and like we see her throughout this this whole arc pretty much of the Michael uh, dis discovering herself you know we see her struggle with Starfleet quite a lot and so I think it's interesting that that is even in the seeds of these first two episodes of Vulcan Hello and Battle of the Binary because like normally people are pro Starfleet all the way even if it's like problematic and so she's sort of the opposite of that. I, wow, both of your points. I've just been nodding, like, in agreement for the past, like, <laughs> three minutes. Like, yes, agreed, totally agree. Well, and I'm glad you brought up Next Generation, Rihanna, because I think the only mutineer we've ever known is Ensign Roe from Next Generation. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she is, like, a really badass character. And everyone's whispering behind her back about, mm -hmm. you know, what she did. And, of course, we see that Michael also faces this when she's brought on to mm -hmm. Discovery, what, like, with such a reputation. Go ahead. And remember, and then Spog says, I think it's in the menagerie, there's never been a mutiny in Starfleet. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, boy. Sure. He's covering for <laughs> your sister. Keep telling yourself that. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's keeping it really buttoned <laughs> up. <laughs> Tight lips. <laughs> What well, I was also just thinking, Giraffe, when you're talking about, you know, kind of the paint being chipped away at Michael's whole kind of shield that she has up, I thought it was mm -hmm. interesting that Giorgio, Prime Giorgio, even says this in this episode um, mm -hmm. because she is viewing Michael in a completely different way after she mutinies. She has this beautiful speech about how I thought you were ready for the chair, I've known you for seven years. And I thought that I could chip away at the wall that the Vulcans put around you to keep you safe. And I had such an ego that I thought that I thought that I could do that. I just like, I love that. I love that speech um, because it really shows that Prime Giorgio like truly loves her and like mm -hmm. has been trying to get through to her this whole time. I mean, even that that scene that we see in this episode where Michael mm -hmm. comes on board and she has the amazing Vulcan haircut. <laughs> she, oh my god, it's so bad. <laughs> okay, I I'm gonna need to like pose on this because it's funny. I spoke literally about this yesterday. It's like one mm -hmm. of my great point. I'm gonna write a PhD about this. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it's it's fascinating. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it tells us more about somehow uh, Vulcan superficiality than yeah. anything else. And that it's, first of all, it's like they're doomed to fuck something up every seven years, apparently. This is the mm -hmm. number, right? Yep. She's in yeah. Starfleet for seven years and she starts a war. <laughs> so <laughs> see, true. See? Yeah. See, there's there's something. I, it, um, it goes with Pon Far every seven yeah. years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every seven years, they fuck up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, too, that um, it gives us a lot of information on this Vulcan logic. It's it's kind of something that they internalize, but it's kind of a superficiality that they give themselves with even, like, when they put her through the hairstyle. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tuvok doesn't have that hairstyle. No. <laughs> to that kid. Yeah. And I'm like, Gersha Phillips, who does mm -hmm. all the, the costumes and so on. I don't know who does the hair, but I think they started a deep reflection about 
hairstyles because the hairstyles in Discovery have improved so yes. much yes. from the first season. Like I keep when we review Discovery season four saying like the hairstyle, the hairstyle yes. is so good between Owoshikun, Burnham. Um, so I'm so glad that somehow they did this mistake with the hairstyle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in season one. I, I take it as a Vulcan thing, you know, it, like I put mm -hmm. it in my head canon, but um, it's a series that has grown to um, into representing people in a better way, even through styles. So that's something, you know, to be proud of. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and I think it shows just how much she's under Sarek's wing too, because mm -hmm. she just graduated from the Vulcan Science, or no, yeah, Vulcan Science mm -hmm. Academy. He that that's like what he wanted for her. Spock was denied. she wants to do yeah, yeah okay so she does the Vulcan Science Academy if I remember well she wants to go to the Vulcan Expeditionary Corps and that's right. yes yeah and she gets refused because um, they have too many the, of these like weird little kids that Saraki's yes. collection like <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> half human or having human. around yeah, yeah and exactly. I mean. Can we? I know we're not speaking about Lefe, but can we really okay. blame Sarek yeah. for the choice? I mean, I don't know. That's his son, you know, and I know it's messed up. <laughs> it's an impossible yeah. choice he had Absolutely. to make. Yeah, it's impossible. And it gets yeah. so much, it gives so much weight to end the Kelvin verse. Like that, live long and prosper, fuck you. Live long yes. and prosper, yes. Sassy version, yes. yes. <laughs> and to Journey to Babel, that's, again, adding more layers to complex characters that are so important for all of us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this kind of, like, retcon that they did, like, kind of inserting these facts, like, after, is just mm. brilliant. I think they've, they did it really well with Sarek and the whole Spock family. And I hope they're going to do that in Strange New World even more. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, Giraffe, you bring up an important point because she is having these memories while she's in the brig and the hole has breached and her only protection is mm. the force field of the brig from literal, like, the death of space. And so she gets knocked out and during that time where she's unconscious, she's remembering the time she was attacked at the learning center by the Vulcan logic extremist. And so I think this is also important, like, to remember, you know, that, like, this is so interesting that that's the thought, or that's sort of her, what her mind goes to when she's unconscious is this memory of her getting attacked by these logic extremists and Sarah coming to her aid. And I think, like we are all talking about, it's because she's still, even after these seven years being in Starfleet, being with Giorgio, she's still so reliant on Vulcan logic and on Vulcan practices. And so I think she's remembering the time where like the Vulcans failed her and where like Sarek failed her in a way, you know? And like, she was like dead for like a minute or something. Sarek had to like bring her back. Michael like almost Give dies all the time. Ketra. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So like this is a huge betrayal for her. And I think she's maybe her unconscious is sort of tying her own betrayal to Giorgio with this like betrayal of the extremists. And like, I don't know what her psyche's doing, but it's it's going. There's a lot going on. So it's interesting because I, I didn't see it this way at all. For me, mm -hmm. this moment where she gets knocked out, she sees how everything around her fails her. But Sarek is always here. Like mm -hmm. is the, the that's why she's so adamant about saving him because yeah. he, she sees him as somebody that saved her once when she had no parents right mm -hmm. twice 
giving her this like kind of easy cop out that oh you're suffering because you have no logic which is mm -hmm. bullshit but yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's a little bit like people that will find you know addiction religion like something that they can just hold on and make sure that it's going to help them go through their trauma their PTSD and she holds on to that and when the terrorist attack happens again to her because basically that's twice right mm -hmm. um Sarek saves her and mm. when she's in the brig he's not here but she still kind of like rely on him on yeah. the logic on the computer on like all this oh my computer stop <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> i cannot say that word <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I have an I have an Alexa that starts at the the, the C word. Uh, no, I cannot say it out loud. I cannot watch Star Trek with it either yeah. because then it computes everything. Oh, Sorry. Um, and and I think it's only through Lefe that she learns to let go. And again, I think the the arc of Burnham is learning to let go of all these things she has internalized to kind of keep her keep herself safe you know like this little like I, I don't know trinket that you will have with you because they give you yeah. good luck and like she has like to let them go one by one and it's it's grief it's terrible it's hard she lets go of Sarek she lets go of Spock of her time of her mm -hmm. friends and then she can finally become who she is because she doesn't have all these things keeping her together and yeah um, wow. I do That's think beautiful. that... beautiful, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, thank you. <laughs> I, like, I wow. prepped everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot about Burnham, like a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, and I agree a thousand percent with everyone. I think what Rihanna said was interesting about how she has to kind of like recalculate everything because her logic is failing her. And I also think Sarek kind of failed her because in this first episode, she asked him like, yo, what should I do? The Klingons are attacking. And he's like, duh, <laughs> like you have to attack them first. We can't afford a conflict with the Klingons. And so she's like, yes, dad. And she does mm -hmm. it, you know, she betrays <laughs> yeah. Giorgio, like, because that's her pillar, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like it's interesting that even when he comes to her when she's in the cell, she's not mad at him. Like, she blames herself only. Um, mm -hmm. But he did encourage it. I mean, he didn't tell her to, like, mutiny. Sure, but yeah. I, I just think but it's... But was he wrong? He's not wrong. Like, yeah. I mean... Yeah. It's tough, yeah. It's a really... Literally, Tekufma is saying, they come with words and they will say, they co I, we come in peace. If mm -hmm. he says that and they just shoot him with no warning, mm -hmm. it's done. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's over. It's very true. So mm -hmm. Sark is not wrong and which basically keeps her into that loop and mm -hmm. under his tutelage because he was not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. That's so, it makes it so complicated because like, then Michael's dealing with these different, like, Starfleet values and, like, Sarek's values, which don't line up a lot of the time. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, I also Daddy issues. Daddy yeah. issues. <laughs> Out the wazoo. They stay with you forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do really like that scene where she's in the brig because she has to make the computer believe that it, this is a life or death situation to release mm -hmm. her from the brig. Because initially the computer's like, no, I'm not no. letting you out. But <laughs> yeah. she is able to reason with it. She uses her 
like supreme logic skills <laughs> to make the computer like recalculate, recalculate, and the computer's like, okay, sure, I'll yeah. shoot you out like across <laughs> <laughs> this cavern. I feel like that is one of her strengths is that yes. she's kind of like Picard almost, like someone who can use their words to get out of a situation. Like if I, like I'm never worried when. Or Spock even. Yeah. I mean, Spock outsmarts computers on the daily. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Come on. This is a Kirk move. Kirk <laughs> literally like, like, like. It is Kirk. Push, yeah. push so many computers to like self-destruction. <laughs> in like, yeah. I think three times in the US. At like least. just like yeah. talks, like talks a, a computer. Yeah. yeah, no androids are like cannot compute. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so when she does that in the bridge, I was like, oh, oh, I see you, TOS. I see you so much. Yes, I love that. I Return love of the Orcans. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah, then, totally. at the end of this episode, we have, of course, the tragedy that Giorgio dies, and again, this is another mission that. I just can't believe like the trust that Giorgio has because she still goes with this plan, even though Michael's just mutinied against her and then escaped mm-hmm. the brig, hopped onto the bridge and said, let's go get to Kuvma and let's try to, you know, let's try to deal with this peacefully. And so this is a good plan, you know, and it's just like so tragic that Giorgio has to die. It's so messy. I mean, literally, like, all of this could have been avoided. I just feel like their plan was really good, but then once they got onto the ship, it's just a mess. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're drinking out of the boot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just blanked whatever you said. Yeah, I'm sorry. I saw the boot and I was like, I'm sorry. Well, what? <laughs> I got this, like, amazing beer boot from the Air Force base, and it was free. And I was like, that is mine. So is thank mine. you to the Air Incredible. Force. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's sorry, like let's go back to, like, the deep conversation yes. we were having. <laughs> oh. I, I, think, I think it's important, it's important that Georgia dies. Because, yes. again... Michael needs to lose these people she uses as, you know, like buoy basically to keep mm-hmm. her head out of the water. Like she needs to lose Georgiou. See, she needs to like disconnect from Sarek. She needs to disconnect from Spock. She needs like to bury all that so she can grow as a character. And I think that's the thing that is not said in uh, Discovery. You have to find mm-hmm. it out by yourself is yeah. that you can truly become the captain. You can truly become you and have your own life into your hand when you don't rely on your mentors and your example, but just get inspiration from them and that all. And I think it's very important that Jojo dies and that she confronts Mirror Jojo too later in the yes. show because totally. then she sees how her mirror self never managed that and how it killed her basically. So yeah. it's a good uh, cautionary tale, too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to interrupt Rihanna and say that it's time to have our first toast. I would like to propose a toast. So we are going what? to toast. Word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to toast Prime Philippa Giorgio. So here's my Ooh. message to her. We were teased from the beginning that the Star Trek universe was adding a powerful Asian female captain to their ranks. And it is so cruel that we got to know you so little, but everything you taught Michael shines through in every episode, and she wouldn't be who she is without you. So here's to all the mothers that we find along the way. Woo! That Cheers. Was beautiful. Cheers. 
<laughs> Ashlyn, gorgeous toast. I think there's just something so beautiful about Philippa Giorgio in the Prime universe. She literally is like the lights make her look like she's glowing. You know, she has this sort of mm. presence about her that feels very soothing, very motherly, like you were saying, Ashlyn. And I love, too, that she's talking about sort of the comparison of her and Michael and talking about when they first met and all of this stuff. And she says that she, Giorgio, had seen a life of loss and still chose hope. Yes. And this is what Michael is doing as well. And so I think yeah. they have this sort of kinship of loss. And, Giraffe, you put it perfectly, like, Michael needed that loss to move forward. But it's so tragic. And I remember Ashlyn and I watching Discovery for the very first time together and just, like, yelling at the screen. We're like, literally, what are you doing? And then, like, a white man is captaining Discovery. And we're like, why? Like, it could have been, like, an amazing thing, but it would have been a completely different show. Like, it would not, we would not have gotten the like beauty of discovery as it is without losing Giorgio along the way and can we just say that she gets eaten by the Klingons yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah and like awful so absolutely absolutely horrible mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and I think it's Laurel that says it yeah, yeah, we yeah. learn it from Laurel, yeah, and <laughs> mm -hmm. it just adds so much power to the insanity that worrying the Klingon is, they're like just, they're gonna eat your dead. <laughs> like, yeah. like what? Damn, what? <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. <laughs> Literally, well, and the fact too that like, it just sucks that this, this mission turned into a shit show because like, the moment they beam on and they're literally, I also have to say that these are two Starfleet women fighting trained Klingon warriors. Like, this is epic. They probably don't have a ton of, like, Klingon battle move training, but, like, they hold their own for quite a while. Yes. And I just think it's, like, oh, Michael. Like, it, it shows how much growth she needs when, like, she just shoots Takuvma, even though she literally was the one to say, we can't help kill him, he'll become a martyr that way. And he does, mm. obviously. Literally the rest of the time is them talking about Takuvma. <laughs> like, just... for Takuvma. <laughs> but like, he gave us yeah. the mother. He gave us the mother mm -hmm. of Klingons. Yes. I, I'm down yes, with this. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. Like, Takuma had to go for Laurel to rise, but it's just, mm -hmm. oh, it's crazy. And what a weird and horrible way to end this episode, too. Like, I'm thinking about, like, how just awful it is and like weirdly beautiful how they do that last scene where she's getting tried and convicted and stuff and how there's literally three faceless men like staring at no, her. There was a woman too. Her. Oh, faceless yeah. people, let's say. Yeah. Um, but it's just scary, like her facing off against these people you can't even see and then getting this lifelong sentence is just whew. It's um, a future man. I feel like <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> it is the yeah. <laughs> oh, That's the crossover we didn't know we needed. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, well, going on with such a like exciting and joyful topic, let's talk about <laughs> such sweet sorrow part oh, two. Oh, <laughs> so for Ow. for me, I really wanted to talk about this, and I'm just gonna jump right to it. At the very end of the episode, there is that moment where Spock is in the shuttle. So quick recap um all of season two there's been signals going on and discovery just like follows the signals helps the people that are there in crisis at the signals um they have the uh the sphere data that they're trying to protect from control and at this point control is totally inside leland and <laughs> It, he's just like out of control, haha. Ha. Um, uh. <laughs> and um, but so my favorite scene from this episode, and like I have never gotten through it without crying, 
is when yeah. Spock is at the he's in the shuttle and Michael's in the angel suit and they're trying to figure out like how does this work like how because she can't go forward into the future she can only go back and Spock's like brain blast go set the signals like this is it you know this is how mm-hmm. you lead everyone to this moment because we see that Serana and all the Kelpians have joined Laurel and all the Cleons have joined to help fight control Mm-hmm. Everyone that they've met in the season and in the first season are here to help this battle. I love the acting with Michael and she just like is so fantastic in the scene where she has to say goodbye to Spock and he is too. Mm. Yeah, I just I love that moment and I think it's the first like really impactful moment for me, right? Again, I just can't stop crying. It's so good. That that connection with them. Yeah, who has ever gotten through this episode without tearing up a little? Like I don't think that's possible. No. <laughs> I just didn't even rewatched it because I could not go through it again. <laughs> yeah. like, I ball every single time, and mm-hmm. these the end of the episode, and I think the epilogue too is so absolutely beautiful, and it's giving us a spin-off to Strange New World. So I'm like, it's double incredible, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Spock is quitting his emo face. <laughs> Shaving the beard. He shaved. <laughs> yeah. He just is entering his like weird haircut face. Uh, I have to say, and Ariana, you have seen it too, that they actually gave that terrible haircut to Ethan Peck in real life, and yeah. we just don't understand. <laughs> it's we like don't a, know why. It's like a worm. It's like a pepper down his yeah. face. It's so oh, weird. His, his hair is like going all on. messed up on the side. I don't know. Oh, so anyway, okay? we yeah. said goodbye. <laughs> we said goodbye to Hot Spock too. Aww. So. <laughs> So sad. I mean, <laughs> sad, but yeah. it is life. It is life. Yeah. And I have to say that I went through an absolute like rabbit hole trying to find what Spock says in Vulcan to Michael before she leaves mm-hmm. because she says, uh, yeah, me too, or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. she says, I love uh, you too, and or something. Yeah. I, no, I love you too, yeah. But mm-hmm. he doesn't say, I love you. That's mm-hmm. not what he says. So there are like incredible people that are um, incredible or very scary, I don't know, on Reddit that <laughs> yes. like went through a whole like linguistic thing trying to like find in Vulcan what the hell he's saying to his sister because the, mm-hmm. the, the subtitles don't say anything to, maybe they do yeah. now, I don't know. Um, and I'm trying to find it again, but I think he tells her like, but in like more polished way that you're a badass go kick ass and take names or something like that and she's like i love you too and she leaves and i think it's so good this is so absolutely incredible that's so yeah and it's gonna make you you going down that double next time i'm gonna find it again i have the i have it like some somewhere i'm Mm -hmm. trying to find it on my computer (laughs) oh i have it you are a great threat somebody that can be two things at the same time, which coming from Spock is kind of super interesting and and super beautiful somehow. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think Spock is someone who sees Michael like truly, you know, and one of the only people who gets to see her. And uh, like she gives pieces of herself to different people and she gives like her professional side to Lorca and Saru and her crew. And she gives more of her like fun side to Tilly but she gives sort of her burdens and her, and her like, 
desire to save everyone to Spock, and he really understands that. And, you know, he calls her out for it a couple times of, like, hey, you have oh this, like, God. chronic need to save the world, which I'm like, yeah, she's a main character. She has main character syndrome. Like, this is... It's that yeah. trauma, man. She's yeah. dealing with it. <laughs> Literally. I have to say that they are the best depiction of siblings I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, your totally. sisters, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the best depiction of siblings I've ever seen on TV. Like, the absolute love and the absolute hatred for each yes, other. Exactly. You for your sibling is, like, incredible. And it's very beautiful because I think you see it a lot in such sweet sorrow. They finally come to a resolution mm-hmm. with who they are and how they grew up. So um, Spock being the biracial kid and mm-hmm. Michael being the, um, I don't know how you say that, but adopted in another race than hers, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And basically like the two faces of having two cultures at the same time that are very opposite or sometimes the same or sometimes not, you know, not, making sense one with another and I'm a product of that too so I know very well and that's why these episodes like absolutely mess me up every single time because they're absolutely so beautifully written especially for Star Trek that has a very wrong tendency of making biracial people halves Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I think such sweet sorrow and Lefe and uh, what is uh, if memory serves no, mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of the episode where they go back to uh, Talos Four. Oh yeah, and they mm-hmm. unravel all their like I think it's sibling mem- if history. Memory if memory serves, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think such sweet sorrow is a beautiful finale because it closes abs- masterfully so many thread that they open and make Michael actually ready to, I mean, ready. (laughs) (laughs) Having closure on so many things. The moment where she says goodbye to Sarek and Amanda Mm -hmm. is incredibly beautiful. And and then she's ready to go. She has left behind her revolvery, her her daddy shoes. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that somehow, Amanda is the only person that she keeps with her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't mm-hmm. lose Amanda. She's always here for her. She's always been... Th- this moment when she tells her, you've never lied to me. Mm-hmm. You know, when she's yeah. looking for Spock, he's like, so incredibly love beautiful. Oh, I, ahead, I love what you said about siblings too, because when Michael has that moment, like right when they're about to say goodbye, you can tell that Spock is getting emotional and she knows it too. Even though he's, you know, Ethan Peck is just like, you know, not emoting, but we all know. Mm -hmm. And she turns into like big sis mode. And I know this because I'm a big sis. And, you know, yeah, big sis. You have to like, when your sibling is like about to cry or something, you're like, all right, Mm -hmm. I'm emotional too. But now I'm holding it in and I'm going to deal with it later because... It's all about you. And she gives Spock this amazing pep talk. Um, and this is the great quote where she says, um, you know, like thousands, or not, not thousands of people, but it will be thousands. Like people will reach mm-hmm. for you. People across the galaxy will reach yeah. for you and reach let them, them. Yeah. Um, find yeah. the person that seems farthest from you and reach for them. 
like let them come to you and this of course is a prequel to like him and all of his work with the romulans in unification Mm -hmm. part two one two and three (laughs) yeah Um, literally yeah and incredible loki it's 2009 like yeah yeah, so absolutely um, yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. so i just i love that Spock, you know, is just going through his life and he's holding Michael in his heart. Like, it gets me. <laughs> I have to say that I do hope that we see in Strange New World the aftermath of this, of yes. this grief, of this Agreed. loss. Of um, We were reviewing the comic books. I don't know if you have read uh, mm-hmm. Aftermath, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a Discovery and it's just after Discovery uh, jumps and, like, Spock goes through these it should not be me here now, it should be her. Mm-hmm. And why am I the one here? Why am I the one still alive? Like, you know, the culpability of survivor, the, the yeah, survivor guilt, guilt right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I do hope uh, Stranger World is going to address this and like Same. let yeah. her see a little bit more of that, what's going on with Spock. And I have to say, you say when your little sibling cries, um, the first thing you say to your little sibling when they're crying is like, you don't say anything to mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) It's between us. Nothing happens. You're not hurting. It's okay. We're going to figure this out. (laughs) It's just you and me right here. (laughs) You and me. (laughs) Yeah, that that is something I loved about that last scene with them is that it wasn't a whole like Amanda, Sarek, Spock and Michael. It was just the two of them and um, I think that's important because, like, we do have such different relationships we do with our siblings than we do with our parents. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's some things we just don't tell our parents that we would tell our siblings. And I think Spock got to see all of that in Michael. And it makes me think, too, like, it's so hard for Spock. But I think that Michael, I mean, regardless of, you know, all sentient life maybe being wiped out if she didn't go to the future. Like, I think if that weren't the case, I still think that, like she needed to go to the future to find herself, you know, and that the past just wasn't oh, yeah. for her, you know, and this is something that, like, we'll see her struggle with later on in the seasons, but as as much as it was, you know, sweet sorrow parting for them, I think that this was essential for her as a character to go into the future. Absolutely. So cool. Yeah. Well, and I feel like this is a good time because we're about to leave season two and literally jump into season three. <laughs> I feel like we have some toasts we need to we do. We have many toasts. Oh, <laughs> um, can, I, can I start yes, with a toast? Please. I would like to propose a toast. So we haven't talked about her yet, but I want to bring up Admiral Katrina Cornwell, who is played by Jane Brooke. And uh, I have a little toast for her. So I just want to shadow Admiral Cornwell because she is someone who says what she's thinking. She's a strong leader who knows her values and was able to detect fairly early on that something was wrong with our evil Lorca. (laughs) She gives great Mm -hmm. advice and she doesn't fall into the trap of the evil Admiral trope. She's not like your stereotypical TNG Admiral, (laughs) which is always refreshing. Um, And she doesn't let rank define her. She still gets into the nitty gritty of missions and she is a literal key factor in their fight for the future and makes the ultimate sacrifice by locking herself with their torpedo and venting the deck. Everyone, literally everyone, all sentient life would have died if not for her sacrifice. And as she said, the only way to make new road is to walk it and walk that road she did. So cheers to Admiral Katrina Cornwell. And thank you for your sacrifice. Oh man. I think it's it's a good time to cheer to number one. I would like to propose a toast. 
Yes, yes. it sure is. Oh After God, the Admiral, I mean, one more badass woman on the bridge. Yes. 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 <laughs> Number one in my heart. <laughs> I mean, first woman in pants mm -hmm. in space on TV. EXO of a spaceship. I mean, you love, yeah. you gotta love yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. To the best singer in Starfleet after her, that's one of my theories. Be careful, be ready. <laughs> be, be to, after her maybe brother, Lieutenant Riley in TOS, who sings a lot. Yes. Not again! <laughs> so to the best singer in Starfleet, who can even make a Vulcan sing. Yes. Incredible. yes. True. Oh, to number one. Yes. Number yeah, one. to all the Habanary souls. And I'm going to finish this by one of her best quotes. Let's move to the Hail Mary part of the operation. Yes. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. She finally gets a name. <laughs> Una. Una. Thank you, Una. Which I think she was named after Una McCormack. I think so. The novelist. Which oh, is really? really cool. Mm -hmm. I do hope she's uh, Lieutenant Riley's sister. I do. Yeah, I would, that would be sister. I would cry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she sings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> it's gotta happen. Yeah, please. <laughs> All right. Well, also, her with that scene, her and Katrina, like going up to look at the torpedo and how literally they just both volunteer and run up there and like are just figuring shit out. It's just the coolest thing. And they do their like handshake of just like respect mm -hmm. of these women. And I'm just like, oh, I'm crying of oh, just feminism. I think it's also time to toast to Serana, another extremely yes. powerful female. We unfortunately leave her behind in the past. I would like to propose a toast. For Serana, sisters are one of the best things to have, and you are one who has clearly guided Saru even while you were apart. You are a groundbreaking, glass-shattering Kelpian who boldly moves through the universe. I hope we get to see you again in Strange New Worlds. You are my Kelpian icon. Here's to you, Serana. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. Yes. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. That was gorgeous. At that moment when Serana appears, like, because Saru's like, those are Ba'ul fighters. Yes. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and just seeing oh, her yeah. on the screen. Beautiful. <sighs> Well, I mean, it's the best finale they have given us let's be honest i agree every yeah, finale like, i'm like this is not such sweet sorrow <laughs> next <laughs> i like low-key and i've rewatched except oh, season four i've only watched um once and then a couple episode i've seen multiple times but mm -hmm. at, like no matter what i think season two is my favorite still i just oh yeah so, it's so very interestingly good. yeah it's mm -hmm. all people's favorite all people's worst yeah yeah interesting and i just watched season two over and over again because spark mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> same gonna, gonna lie. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah yeah let's be real um and um, I, I think we have a couple more toasts before we do. yes yes okay go ahead rihanna i would like to propose a toast 
Her Majesty Mihani Ika Holly Kapo, also known as Poe. She is one of my greatest inspirations. From her first appearance in the short trek Runaway, she showed how a complicated woman with a great deal of burdens can learn to accept the challenges of life and rise to meet them. Being a ruler, a queen, and responsible for the people of Zahia, Poe demonstrates all of the essential traits of a leader, such as strong will, protectiveness, creative problem solving, and a willingness to fight for her people. The fact that she stole a shuttle and told everyone the ways in which to take down the Section 31 ships means that she was integral into the literal survival of all sentient life. And not to mention her absolute genius when it comes to math, science, and engineering, saying as she was the one who found a solution to power the time crystal. Thanks to Yadira Genevra Pripp, who plays her, that we have this phenomenal character. So thank you so much for the character of Poe, and let's cheers to her. Yes, that was beautiful. Cheers. Thank you. She a queen. She's the first queen that we see on Star yeah. Trek. True, true. <laughs> first of a OG, OG queen. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, like, I'm so glad that that short trek exists because, like, there's so many people who are confused as hell when they meet her at the finale. I was so confused. Yeah, same. I was so confused in the finale. I was like, what is happening? (laughs) Who is this? (laughs) (laughs) What is that? I literally went back and we watched episodes like, what did I miss? (laughs) Yeah, same. Yeah, so I thought it was a cool addition. Um, I just wish she could have been in more of the, like, mainstream episodes, but the fact that she got her own short trek with Tilly was phenomenal. And go watch Runaways if you haven't, because it's so good. It's so good. All right, let's do Laurel. Problematic fave here. (laughs) (laughs) So What do you mean? (laughs) Okay, because of everything that happened with Ash, and she, like, ate Giorgio. Like... (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, not good. You cannot judge people for their it's, culture. It's okay? true. It's true. <laughs> I would like to propose a toast. For Laurel, despite the complicated and messy relationship you have with Ash Tyler, you are a trailblazer in every way. From the Dura sisters, who could even be recognized as leaders of their house, you led all of the Klingons into a time of peace, and you have the courage to do what is right, even if it isn't easy. Also, your son is super cool. (laughs) (laughs) True. So thank you to Laurel because seeing a female leading the Klingons is truly amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. And unheard of, really. Like, even watching the, like, Arbiter episodes of Picard, or not Picard, LOL, of (laughs) Picard in TNG. (laughs) It's not confusing at all. It's just so wild to think that like there actually was a very strong Klingon female chancellor so that's yeah. amazing and her style oh yes, yes. oh my oh, god gorgeous <laughs> right. yes. the hair the everything oh more more, more I, hope, I, show, I hope I hope she shows up in Strange New World I do pray for this because yeah. I need more I need more even of just a cameo this. like yes. yeah that'd be amazing yeah all right, well, it is time for Unification Part 3, and it was so weird today because I watched these episodes back to back, so to hear Michael talk to Spock and pump him up in Such Sweet Sorrow, and then to watch her watching his, like, memory, like, of, like basically the scene from Unification 1 and 2 in Next Generation, mm-hmm. I'm just, I always also cry during that scene because seeing sure. michael like understand how amazing spock is is just like overwhelming 
uh, do you have oh little God. brothers yeah. or you're just two sisters? No, just sisters. Nope. Yeah, sisters. So I'm gonna speak from experience. I have a, I have two little brothers, okay. and oh, again, I like I want their success. I'm happy for them. I'm here to support them. But if I went to the future to see a giant <laughs> statue of my brother being like idolized <laughs> as like, the savior of the world, I'd be like, what a little fucker. <laughs> Like goddamnness, <laughs> and I imagine, I imagine Michael just going like, "Are you kidding me? He cuts his own bangs, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> and he saved your race. What? what? Like, and that gives like so much more. Like, I mean, she's overwhelmed because, yeah, I mean, she sees he's dead by the time mm -hmm. she's there, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. terrible to to lose a sibling, even even if mm -hmm. you know it's life. And I'm sure she's proud, but at the same time, she likes that little <laughs> shit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, is it Tarina who says the man Spock became was in result of who his sister was? And she's probably like, damn straight it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, people don't give enough merit to Amanda, who had to deal with like basically two absolutely fucked up men in her life. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she called that on herself, Literally. but. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amanda is a literal, like, pillar of amazingness. Like, she's just mm -hmm. next level. Yeah. I mean, if you want, we could toast to her. I hadn't planned yeah. on it, but <laughs> I think uh, let's I do mean, it. I can toast to Amanda I think every all day, day of yeah. the week. <laughs> all day long. I would like to propose a toast. So, Amanda, you had to walk the line between so many worlds between Earth and Vulcan, human and Vulcan cultures, having a son and a daughter, and yet you raised two extremely important and impressive children despite the shackles around you to conform. So thank you for your boldness and your strength. Yes. Here, here. Beautiful. And to Winona Ryder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. I love, okay, she hypes Spock up and he's in his Literally. like cute little sweater. Like, you know, she picked yes. that out for him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He hates it, but he wears it because he loves his mom. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, that's the most <laughs> wholesome shit. I love it. <laughs> okay. Well, so unification, I feel like is also just for Michael, like a really important moment because we're at this kind of in-between moment in season three where Michael has had a year on her own in the future where her and book have been having some like crazy nonsense and like just having the time of their <laughs> lives. The I need, the I need to. I need to read it so bad. Read. Book is so good. Books, books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the book, book. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I need to, but she, I think for the first time is really doing whatever she wants and she's enjoying it. And so then to have to come back to Starfleet and follow rules and get approval from people just seems really annoying, you know, mm -hmm. and she wants to do her own thing. And she keeps saying that she doesn't know if she even fits in this situation. And this is a perfectly timed moment. We get to see her mom, Gabrielle Ooh. comes back because she is, um, defending Michael because Michael's trying to get the the ten C not the ten C yet. Um, the oh my gosh, mixing up my oh, seasons. She needs. I'm gonna yeah. help you. The burn. She needs. She needs the Vulcan to give her the data from an experiment they run. Yes. And yeah. we think the Vulcan Nivorian, to be honest, like are kind of responsible for the burn. They're yes. not sure yet. Right. Um, so she needs like the data to be able to find what happened. Exactly. Yeah. And they do the Tikal in Ket. 
Yes. yes. Yeah. And this is where we first meet Tarina, who's the president of Navarre, and she's oh just fire i love her yeah um we we get to kind of understand that the politics on navarre is are really fragile and even though vulcan and romulus are unified it's not peaceful and they've worked so hard for this yeah Yeah. unified in quotes um and uh (laughs) and so she invokes this like like scholarly trial basically to say i have new evidence that says you're you could not be responsible for the burn but we don't know but i'm trying to find out and so as part of this trial she also is on trial because star trek loves <laughs> trial episodes trials and um measure of a woman yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yes. yeah and so her mom is like oh my god just like dishing on her during this trial and she's totally. like oh you're lying to the council right now and michael's like mom God, yeah. that look she gives her, like, seriously, mom, right yeah. now. Hey, she drank all that Romulan, like, yes. Kool Aid. Yes. Like, yes. The, the badass juice. murder non night sister court millet. The candor juice. Yeah. <laughs> the candor juice. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's an important episode, too, because, first of all, it's a badass episode, let's be honest. Yes. Yes, totally. Literally, from her jumping a year in the future. Future. I just want to address this. She basically goes to the future, right? Uh, she's not even trying to find any Vulcans mm-hmm. around. That's so weird to me. Yeah, like, that's your true. other culture. These fuckers are everywhere. <laughs> Literally <laughs> everywhere. They've been jumping around in the galaxy forever. Okay, <laughs> so it's so weird to me that she doesn't try to find any Vulcans and I think it's because she just doesn't want to have to go back to that burden and that story and that past right past Mm -hmm. past past but literally past (laughs) and she lost her mom we didn't talk about this for like season two but she Mm -hmm. lost she loses her mom like literally three times (laughs) once when she's a kid once when they managed to like capture her and she's like no i need to go yeah you know? and mm-hmm. like basically ditches her right mm-hmm. um and she doesn't know if she has survived and basically until unification free mm-hmm. nobody has told her and hey, you know what your mom is here like that's so yeah, vulcan by the way uh-huh that's like <laughs> on brand for like oh you mean these people yeah they're my parents yeah, that's literally <laughs> what Spock, Spock does yeah. in Journey to Babel. Kirk, Kirk is like, and who are these lovely ambassadors? And Spock's like, it's my parents. Like, no. <laughs> Kirk is like, don't you want parents. to go shore leave? Don't you want to go like uh, to shore leave to see your parents? And he's like, I don't know need that these guys right are right my yeah. parents. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? Kirk is like Pikachu. Oh, this memes. is my wife. Like, what? Oh, this yeah. is my brother. Yeah, my no wonder Kirk's always just like face palming, you know, like, oh my god, another sibling you brand. didn't tell me about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On brand. They're like, oh, by the way, your mom is here. She's been like yeah, jumping around alive. in the future, <laughs> like for like a year. And they're like, oh, yeah. by the way, side note, uh, <laughs> nota bene. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that's where finally she learns to let go without grief, which is interesting mm-hmm. because she realized that, I mean, her mom is kind of a dick, let's be honest. I mean, she's not wrong, but. Damn woman, like give your kids some love. Yeah. That's so hard. And somehow, finally, Amanda was more of a mother to her than her own mom when she gets to like reconnect reconnect with her. So I think the Tikal in Cat is really important too because 
one, she forces Michael to confront some bullshit. She's been kind of, you know, trying to hide or trying to hide mm -hmm. herself behind. And on the other, on on the other hand, it forces Michael to be, you know what? She's my mom. Yes, I'm glad she's alive. Yes, but I'm glad she's not in my life. <laughs> yeah. And letting go of parents is an important skill that people should learn sometime. Like, you yes. know, sometimes your parents are not good parents or don't have your, I mean, they have your best at heart, but in weird ways. And it's okay to be like, I'm going to get a step back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to move away. Um, because finally, she's the only family she has in the future, but she doesn't link to her a lot. Yeah. Wow, that was so beautiful, Giraffe. And I, I think something oh, I really... You. <laughs> you're just like speaking all these amazing just truths. Flowing just flowing. Like, oh, I love it. With candor, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Absolute candor. Um, I think something that is so complicated about Gabrielle Burnham is that she really had no chance to connect with her daughter past the age of 10 and to really see her i think that she thinks she knows her because she got to go back in time and i remember her saying like she saw her graduate from the vulcan science academy and saw the the failure of not being on the expeditionary corps and all of this stuff mm -hmm. and she's seen through sort of this like bystander lens and not like a an active participant mother role and so i think honestly that's what makes her kind of a shitty mom in the beginning of these sort of like or of unification and just like and in perpetual infinity where you're just like wow she's dead ass just said like i won't get close to you because it will fail again blah 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 all that stuff um and i think like it's it's just important to remember that like she probably, Gabriella is probably trying to hold this distance from her still, even though they are now in the same time and the future isn't, you know, like going to be destroyed anytime soon. I think she still is in that mindset of like, I have to hold myself back and I have to just be Michael's advocate and I can't be her mother. Mm. And so this is why I love the end of the episode so much when she goes, I've wanted to say this forever, but you know where to find me. I'm just like, okay, time for the tears again. Like here they are. And I just love the way like Michael just like melts at that, you know, because I can't imagine like thinking your mom was lost and then getting her back in that way. That is so like incredible. And she just like the, even just the fact that my mom, I know where I can, you know, call her at any time is such a comfort to me. And like thinking about all the pillars of women in my life who like I know I can rely on and go to for things I need. The fact that Michael can have these pillars again and in a more healthy way, you know, where maybe Gabrielle isn't going to just treat her like, you know, she's sort of this bystander, but an active role in her life. It's really cool. But it, I think it really did have to take the to Colin Kett and the whole Kuat like, dealings for them to get to that place. I, yes, I totally agree. So a couple things from what you said, Rihanna, that moment that you mentioned where Gabrielle says, like, you know where you can find me, that hit me particularly because our mom travels around and Rihanna and I both live apart. I'm in Virginia, she's in Chicago. And our mom lives like some, she's has a, my stepdad and her, like they have remote jobs and so they can just like live wherever and travel mm -hmm. around. And whenever we have time together in the same city, it's always so, so, so special because totally. it it's like that time where we were in high school where it's like, oh, I'm just going over to mom's house and saying hi, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think for Michael to finally have that like presence is really cool. Yeah, Giraffe, I hadn't really thought about it before, like what you said about maybe it's good that she's not in her life. And 
Um, or just, just Michael's like, oh, this is like tough to have her around. And Rhea and I agree with you too, that they maybe don't really know each other. And so I hope we see more episodes. She's in season four a little bit because of that whole, yeah. another mutineer, Kwamalot person was like running <laughs> yeah. around. Like that and whole thing. By the way, uh, we see her being able to have a lot of care for somebody that she doesn't dem- demonstrate for Michael yeah, at all. True. Yeah, true. So yeah. there's a lot going on with their relationship. I do think that she is purposefully distancing herself. I, I, that's all I could think about watching Unification is like, why haven't they seen each other since? That's crazy. Like, like she doesn't even know what Gabrielle's doing or Mike or Gabrielle doesn't know what Michael's doing. What? It's crazy. <laughs> I think, you know, I think she goes through the same thing that Michael actually went. Like the absolute candor is the Vulcan logic. It's a, mm. a way to just like, you know, make yourself whole and following a path and always knowing what you have to do. And it's way easier than to deal with the horrifying thing that happened to Gabriella Burnham, right? Yes. Like, it's horrible. Totally. Um, all the PTSD she has from seeing, like, the world, like, ending over and over again, right? Mm. So I do think that, you know, like daughter, like mother, the yeah. absolute candor is an easy... Uh, is a way, is a way for her to just get her life together and have a purpose. Yes, I totally so agree. True. There, It's because they're so similar. Michael has mm. Starfleet for that. And mm. in this episode, Gabriella kind of gets her back on the tracks and says, okay, mm-hmm. remember, you do love this. This is what you're passionate about. She says, duty and joy go hand in hand for you. So just like, keep mm-hmm. doing it, you know? Um, I also did really think about like when she's dishing out these harsh truths in front of all these people and Michael's just like Mm -hmm. so shaken by it. There Mm -hmm. is something about that that is like only a mom could say that to your face, you know, (laughs) where it's like totally. Yeah, like all the time your mom just like tells you something that's so true and you're like, God damn it. Like, ah, stop. Right. I'm irritated. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like this was what Michael needed, though, to get kind of pushed back into Starfleet. It's really, I I think it sets us up perfectly for Michael taking the captain's chair because I think Mm -hmm. she could have waffled and she has great scenes with Tilly in this episode where they don't know what to do. This is this episode where Tilly gets promoted, so she's first officer. So a lot of changes are happening, but I think it's time to move on to season four and wrap up our Michael discovery. Yes, 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 yes. I would like to propose a toast. Yes, Gabrielle Burnham, you have had one of the toughest plot lines in Discovery. You have worked tirelessly off screen to protect your daughter and all of humanity. You are often left out of the story, but we will never forget the sacrifices you made to bring back the future. Thank you for being a mother with absolute candor who Michael knows she can always trust. Hell yeah. Thank you. Nicely done, Ashley. Yes, thank you. Um, one quick thing before we move on to season four, I think is important to know is that Michael is constantly being put into these different roles. And I found this episode unification really similar to the one, uh, all is possible, which is not one we talked about for Michael, but, uh, one we will talk about with Tilly later on, but her sort of having to step into these ambassadorial or, uh, political roles where she doesn't want to. And this is, unification is another indicator of like she was not interested in being the person to invoke the to call and but literally mm. 
Starfleet was like, you are a part of this legacy, so you have to be the one to do it. And I just like want to ask you both sort of about this these roles that Michael is forced to take on because of Starfleet, because we've seen her struggle with Starfleet for all of these seasons. And it frustrates me to no end. Like, I just feel extremely frustrated that she's constantly being put into these roles that she doesn't want to be placed into. But I'm just sort of curious how, like, you all navigate that for Michael. And, like, do you feel like it makes her a better captain or, like, a worse Starfleet officer? Like, how do you feel about all these stuff she's being forced into? Well, so it actually reminds me of people I know at work who are really fucking good at their jobs. And Mm -hmm. so then guess what happens? They get all of the work because they're Mm -hmm. really efficient. They work really hard. um, They like are quick at adapting in new situations. And so we have people who are like severely overworked and then people Mm -hmm. who do nothing all day. And these are all women who I know at work. It's and yeah. because women, you know, can like multitask and mm-hmm. they won't say no. And a lot of women are people pleasers. And so I feel like for Michael, it's kind of a similar situation where she comes with such like gravitas and such like command and just a presence, you know, mm-hmm. that people will follow her. And she like speaks so well that yeah everyone loves michael and so they're like oh you should do this thing for us because you're you're great at it you know and i think because she's a captain or in this like leadership position in discovery and you know she's Spock's sister she has this like deep connection she can't really say no so i don't know i i just feel for those people i've been that person in many different situations right now at work i just started so they don't know that i'm good at anything yet (laughs) which is which is wonderful Um, yeah Uh, i'm i'm definitely that person at work so Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's hard it's hard Yeah. yeah yeah i do think it's more plot device to me uh, mm-hmm. We've seen that over and over again in Star Trek. The captain does everything, goes everywhere, is in all the away missions, mm-hmm. knows all the archaeology, all the biology, can contact <laughs> yeah. any kind of alien. Like, um, it kind of frustrates me that it's um, hold over Michael and not over the other captains. Like, oh, that's so logical that they can do all this you know Mm -hmm. but michael suddenly it becomes a problem and people are like why is he always the one doing it because it's star trek and it has always (laughs) been like that in tng picard literally does everything i mean cisco is a a prophet like (laughs) 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 like, that's never hold over like cisco like oh i mean cisco is even like a, a messiah (laughs) <laughs> like really you think he can do all that it was like yeah. uh who cares he's the main character of the franchise That's so, so true. burnham yeah. is maybe 900 years old i mean imagine having somebody from 900 years in the past and be like yeah. you're gonna lead the army like no <laughs> no, no. <laughs> absolutely not be- because they don't know absolutely they don't know shit when they're like you're the mm-hmm. best exobiologist or whatever exoanthropologist i don't remember what they call her they, to- yeah. they tell her in the uh-huh. last episode Nick, no, she's not. She's 900 years old. Yeah. Like, you have better scientists right now here. But you know what? It's a plot device. She's the main character. It's okay. Kirk literally does everything all the time. And mm-hmm. he's a dumbass. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know, Absolutely. I love him. But he is a dumbass. Yeah, so. Definitely. <laughs> so it's okay. For me, it doesn't even like 
I mean, I like what you said about being a woman at work because I'm definitely mm-hmm. that woman, especially black women. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. we do everything. But um, I do think that at one point she needs to take her place as a captain in Star Trek, and that's what captains do. That's that's all. Yeah. Absolutely. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> she finally becomes captain in the end of this season three, and we finally get a whole season of her becoming captain. Did you all think she was going to become captain earlier? Like, yes. I yeah. thought this was going to be a season yeah. two or three thing, not all the way it, it drives four me, seasons deep. <laughs> it's crazy because all the captains, like you look at the whole list of them, and the only ones that didn't start out as captains in the beginning are black. It's Cisco was a commander. In the yeah. beginning of DS9, mm-hmm. and then Burnham, and I'm like, what? Like what? I understand. That, like I think they're trying to build an arc for Michael, which mm-hmm. is like it's a great, wonderful arc. But I still, it's it's bullshit. I don't know. I she should have <laughs> been captain sooner. Like, yeah. hey, the president of Earth is black, so it's okay. It's yeah. true. Oh, it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like exactly. making a man through like this season four. Yes. Like, we're sorry. Yes, we're sorry. Here, yeah. Here, yeah. like, Owushikun <laughs> kicking butt. Yeah. Hey, like, Stacey Abraham, President, what do you want? Tell me. I'll give you all the we'll black give women. You more. Yes, yeah. it's so yeah. true. I think it's a good moment to drink to uh, my sick bay. I would like to propose a toast. Tracy yes, Pollard. It's yes. time. Yes. Speaking of black women who uh, kick butt and take names, when will Tracy Pollard be officially officially named Chief Medical Officer yes, of right. Discovery? Yes. When? Okay, season four, I see you. Colbert is going to be our uh, chief counselor, right? He's going to be here for the crew. Mm-hmm. She needs to be Chief Medical Officer. Yes. I mean, yes. She moved us from his dead gym to almost dead, but you're gonna be okay. <laughs> and I think that's a great thing. That's a great, great statement for Starfleet, you know? Like, um, she calls Michael a difficult patient, mm-hmm. which uh, mm-hmm. I really respect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, she's nicknamed the definition of meticulous. We want yes. more Tracy Pollard. Yes, we do. We, mm-hmm. work her, we want her all the time in the sick bay. There's this beautiful moment in season four where we have all of these incredible characters all together in sick bay. We have Burnham, we have Book, we have Pollard, and we have Colbert. And for me, ah, this was, you know, all my sick bays. Yes. Chief Medical <laughs> Officer 2023, Tracy Pollard. Oh, Tr- Thank you. Cheers. I vote yes. for Cheers. Her. Yes. Hell yeah. I think it's a crime that, like, we don't get an actual, like, she's CMO. You know, like, it's just crazy the fact that, like, we went so many... Because Star Trek has this formula, you know, that we're supposed to follow. And, of course, Discovery sort of threw that out the window. Like, we're going to keep changing captains on you. We're going to change Burnham's position, like, 12 times. We're going like, to kill all the no security engineers. officers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Engineers? Yeah. Like, yeah, who are they? Nobody? Engineers? Okay. Wait, Reno, Stamets, I guess. And Stamets. Yeah. <laughs> And like, Tilly? Sometimes Tilly, question mark. And Adira. Yeah. 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 Who knows? Very confusing. Very confusing. So it just is, like, crazy to me that they haven't named her CMO officially because, like, she is and let's go. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, well, should season we, four. Should, should we, we move, move on? on to stormy yeah. weather? <laughs> <laughs> Um, So I chose this episode particularly because this is fairly Michael-centric. I mean, I think this is one of her, like, 
maybe just being normal amazing Michael but I think it stands out to me a lot because of her dynamic with Zora and I think this is really important for Michael's character development because she is sort of anti-Zora coming into this episode not anti as in like wants to kill her but like is not super on board with the fact that she's getting sentience and they're not have any sort of you know, they had that whole discussion about if she, you know, sort of measure a man vibes again, measure of a woman again mm-hmm. uh, with Zora. Measure of an AI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like it, yeah, so like it's, it's interesting to see her navigate Zora and to see them work together in this way because I felt like it created a really fun dynamic that we don't get to see a lot with Michael. We see Michael in group settings quite a lot. And so to see her literally like being the captain saying, I'm gonna like obviously I'm staying with the ship and her staying behind while everyone else goes into the pattern buffer I was like this is just giving me such Janeway vibes like I just oh, I love Voyager all day. I love yes. This. Yes. yes you know like I this this episode felt very Voyager to me I mean Janeway we talked about it on our Voyager episode um, of yeah. feminism Janeway literally hides the telepaths in the pattern buffer when yeah. they're in that region of space that telepaths are illegal and I'm like yeah mm-hmm. Michael's just <laughs> just, just, just hide knows yeah. the books yeah. she yes. has studied <laughs> she has the receipts she knows the Janeway <laughs> yes. respect that's the Janeway Absolutely. maneuver and also mm-hmm. I think they were trying to reference relics with Scotty stuck in the uh, yeah. pattern totally. but yeah, I totally. was only thinking about Janeway <laughs> Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think it's the episode where finally Michael becomes a captain. She, I think it's a good pendant to Battle of the Binary Stars, where she tries to save everybody by doing something absolutely reckless, and she fails. And now she actually succeeds because she's the captain. If she had been the captain in the binary stars, right, she would have succeeded. Like, I'm convinced she would have succeeded. Yes. Sarek was right. Hashtag (laughs) Sarek was right for once. In this episode, she finally, I mean, it's an insane idea. It's absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. But she does it and she's ready to sacrifice herself because again the needs of the many mm-hmm. outweighs the needs yes. of the few which is interesting because Turina actually goes against that in unification right yeah so now that it's not the vulcan logic anymore it's not this coat of paint but it's actually something she believes in she succeeds yes. so it's really like redemption and i think that's really the moment where she is the captain like she moves into the chair she moves into what Georgiou had seen in her and Mm. everybody trusts her too because that's what lacked in the binary star they didn't trust her they didn't respect her enough to think that she was right even if that that was crazy but anyway and now they just okay yeah we'll go in the baton buffer okay this was have you watched the motion picture yeah huh Huh? oh god (laughs) uh what came back didn't live very long you know (laughs) (laughs) i I, this is exactly what i was gonna say is that what the difference now is that her crew is so together and like they're a machine in themselves they trust each other they know each other really well 
to the point, and this is like a wonderful like lower decks moment where you just hear on the speaker, everybody get into the pattern buffer, and you're like <laughs> peeing, and you're like, all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, I'm yeah. sorry, Ashlyn. Uh-huh. There are no toilets. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay? You're right. Yeah. There are sonic, uh, sonic, sonic showers, showers, but. There's no toilet. We've never seen, only... never seen one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think there's one moment where they say that the toilets don't work or something like that. Or I'm making yeah, that they up. They might have. Making that yeah. up. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, but uh, maybe it's in Lower Deck. Probably. Uh, <laughs> 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 but there are no toilets on Starships. No. There yeah, are none. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I just love so that. True. No one's questioning it. They're all like, all right, here we all go. Right, yeah. Buffer, yeah. <laughs> You imagine yeah. the lower decker. I hope they do an episode in in uh, in lower decks. So they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like why? Oh, not again. Yeah. That's yeah. not like this Second old dude this like made us like drink green for a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's something I really just like. I just love so much about this episode because like being an English major, being like a person who literally applies metaphors to every single thing in my life, like I love the fact that they're literally in a void of space and the fact that like Michael literally has to chart dark waters and has to, of course, go through the stormy weather of this episode. And so it's really like scary. And I think that um, this episode really calls back to a lot of Voyager also with its sort of like horror aspects as well. Um, when the dot disintegrates and is like screaming, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is horrible. Like I, uh, dots why are like precious. <laughs> yeah. Why, why did, did it scream? scream? Yeah, yeah. Like dots aren't sentient, <laughs> but it's scream. That's terrifying. <laughs> and so, yeah, like the fact that Michael has to be a captain during this like very very like scary traumatic experience and the fact that she also doesn't just like cop out and say okay i'll go to the pattern buffers or you deal with it no she stays on no she's gonna be like not feeling well physically and she also doesn't have the utmost trust in zora because she's worried about her emotionality and how that's going to interact with their mission and stuff that like it's just incredible how calm and collected she stays. Like, I, there's no fucking way that I would be calm in this situation. And, like, it's just amazing to see that literally everything they try has been failing. And, like, the, obviously the toxic space is coming closer to them and is going to eat Discovery soon. And she is just the most like as cool as you please and it's amazing to see even if she's like freaking out internally she doesn't show that to her crew and like honestly it sucks but that's like one of the ways you have to be a good captain is to like shove down that fear and work through it and she just does it so beautifully that like even her decision to retreat or use the spore drive and stuff didn't feel like a cop-out or didn't feel like oh she's failing it's like she is trying everything to save her crew from this like terrifying situation i also thought it was kind of unfair to put her in the situation where she is to like talk zora through yeah like getting through these emotions in order to like make Get a computer run together yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I mean i'm kind of i was like very nervous about zora and i think everything's fine but this episode made me very suspicious like going into season mm. four because mm-hmm you cannot trust a computer like no matter even if zora has good intentions if the computer like you said doesn't have their shit together it's very scary and we see zora's like playing these games with gray to try to calm down but Mm. ultimately and michael again has an amazing speech to help zora 
to just like calm down and focus and she has like michael's going through this crazy pain you know when she's in the ev suit and everything's really mm -hmm. hot on the bridge and zora's like there's like a replicator about to fail and michael's like just chill it's fine focus <laughs> <laughs> like she's the one experiencing so much distress and yet she's just like it's fine it's all good and then zora yeah. sings but i just felt bad for michael again you know having to like put up with this like this is a lot to ask that's where you see that she's the captain yep. like yep. Yep. exactly what georgiou goes through right mm -hmm. and yeah it's 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 beautiful and i think that um again it's an episode where i said that very often on the podcast everybody should freak out way more like, you know, in Star Trek, yeah. there's the situation where you're like, why are you so chill? Like, right? all you the freaking out, like, push it to a, to a hundred, maybe. Yeah, mm -hmm. at least. Um, yeah. And again, I think it's where finally she takes the Vulcan, you know, logic, the Vulcan training, but she keeps only what's really necessary mm -hmm. to her and really mm -hmm. helpful to her being able to manage her emotion, her fear, her pain, all these are things that she learned from the Vulcans, right? And that's where she really grows and she becomes the unique person who's able to do all this great stuff and at the same time being very human, so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my gosh, she's amazing. And I think too, like, as someone who's really empathetic, I really resonate with this episode of like, I'm freaking out, but people are asking me for advice because I'm really good with emotions. And so I'm like, fuck you. Uh, honestly, sure, I'll help you. But I'm also like, I'm not doing well either. So I think like I really empathize with Michael in this situation where she's trying to keep herself together and her whole crew and Zora. Like that is just a huge burden and she navigates it so beautifully. She really does. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to toast Zora now, actually. Let's do it. Let's toast <laughs> it. it. Sentient so, AI. <laughs> I would like to propose a toast. Yeah, so I am toasting Zora today because she is a character unlike any we've seen in all of the Trek universe. She is a combination of the Spear's vast data and Discovery's computer that comes to new a new sentient life form that wants to call herself Zora. And so her soothing voice and intense devotion to Discovery's crew show how much she has evolved and grown right alongside the crew. She knows what her crew needs, like helping them adjust to the future with a movie night, and she helps to give suggestions to Saru about a crew dinner. She is literally the backbone of the crew and Discovery and is learning and growing alongside them when it comes to handling her emotions. She navigates them in a beautifully messy way that speaks to her sentience and evolution, and also hearing her grieve alongside her crew for the casualties that she is cause of shows her deep care for her crew and her family and i gotta say that annabelle francis wallace who is the voice of zora is just a beautiful portrayal of so much emotion without ever being seen and i'm super worried about what's going to happen to her and disco in the knowledge we have of calypso the short trek but i'm just trying to focus on the presence and her growth as of now so thank not you start zora. me on calypso <laughs> not start me on calypso I'm really I have scared many <laughs> Uh, <laughs> cheers! Cheers! <laughs> God, cheers! And to to the beautiful man, then Zora found herself in the yes. middle of nowhere. Oh yeah, girl, I see you. 
<laughs> that yeah. was lovely, oh Rihanna. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think it is time. We are at our last episode to talk about Michael. So this is the finale of season four, Coming Home. And I just felt like this was essential to talk about because, again, the absolutely phenomenal acting of Sonequa Martin-Green, it just shines. I mean, in every single episode. But, and once more, I'm jumping to the end because it is just so insane when... So, okay, Book has gone rogue and t with Tarkin and they're in their own little, or Book's in his ship and yeah. they're about to like explode because they're trying to get the device from the 10 C and everything crazy is happening and they think, they're like, oh, we got a lock on Book and Michael's like, great, beam him to the bridge, amazing. And so you see like the beam start and then you see oh. the ship explode and the beam fade and I feel like that might be like some of the best Star Trek. Just this like minute of the, it's yeah. like a close shot on Michael's face, and you see every single emotion, and it's real. And I cry even like again. I was watching this at work today, and I was like weeping, and I was like, "Damn it, Ashlyn! Like get your shit together." You watch Star Trek at work. And I have your job. I know, low key, <laughs> low key. It's because I'm new, and no one like I literally no don't one pays attention. Gives you stuff yeah. to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just watch Star Trek, but yeah, I was literally weeping because you see like the grief where she's like, oh my God, I lost someone else. And then she's like, oh my God, it's book, like the love of my life. And we don't, you, I, at least I was thinking they about, up. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. They, they didn't make up. So they were like unresolved and all of the like things that she wanted to say to him, she never can. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also the whole crew knows that she's deeply in love with Book and has kind of been around for their relationship in this whole season. And so they're like, oh my God, like this is really intense. And I know the the president, like President Rillick, is watching her to say, do I need to like step in? Like, yeah. are you emotionally right. compromised? You know, this is a very intense situation. How are we going to handle it? Um, and she just like, she takes a moment. I think it's... um. Reese who says like captain the thing is getting closer or whatever and so yeah. it kind of like snaps her back into it <laughs> mm -hmm. and you see literally she's just like stony face she's like okay let's go you know she's training it down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just like oh my god like that scene is fantastic and then again when book returns when they've like they're talking to the 10c they're able to communicate and they say, oh, we just grabbed book from the transport because it seemed like it was important. And then <laughs> we, was we also grabbed the it. We didn't know it was. Yeah. It was yeah. a buffer. It's casual. You want it? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, sure. to you. Cool. We found someone else in this buffer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that scene, too, where, she, where he's back and the joy on her mm. face and just, oh, my God. I just couldn't yeah. believe the acting in this. So incredible yeah, yeah she's amazing phenomenal. Yeah, yeah and and two like this is again her having to face the loss of someone she loves dearly and i think if there were any other circumstances this is like a normal mission and not like earth and navarre ending stakes they would have relieved her from duty because this is a very like emotionally compromised situation here but yeah. i i think that relic was like oh well she's quite a kind of our only hope so keep pushing through that trauma and you'll be fine kind of thing which i understand but it's also just like makes me sad that she had to once again just push her grief aside and work through it 
She's up there with the greats. Picard does that too. You know, all the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it as like pushing the great. I mean, I react the same way. Like, mm-hmm. I need to mm-hmm. be alone and calm to be able to deal with stuff. So, yeah. as long as there's something going on, I'm just gonna, not gonna think about it. Like, I'm gonna yeah. take it in and then I'm gonna go through the motion until I have a minute to just like be alone and mm-hmm. be able to like process whatever happened and i think that's absolutely what she does this is not the place this is not the moment she's not alone she doesn't have the space you need space mm-hmm. to grieve like like yeah. literally so many things are happening right now she can't deal with it mm-hmm. and so i've been a great like um um advocate of like oh my god Book is gonna die like through the whole season. I was like, they're yeah. gonna kill Book. They're gonna, everybody's yeah. like, why are you saying this? <laughs> and so when he dies, I'm like, holy shit, that scene is incredible, right? Yeah. It's like, <gasps> and then they bring him back, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like I remember, like when I saw the episode, I was like, I don't know if it's a good thing because that somehow like undermined the whole scene that there yeah. was just before. But mm-hmm. when you look at the character of Michael Burnham, she doesn't need to lose anybody else. No, she, <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, not in the idea that, yeah, she's gone through a lot, but she's at a point where basically she doesn't have to let go of anything. She is ready for this relationship, for the, the intricate complication and like problems that this relationship brings, right? And she deals with all of it masterfully. And you were saying about metaphors, right? Sure, books should have been dead. But yeah. as a metaphor, he is the redemption. He is, he mm. is the relationship that she entered as herself and was not, you know, pushed into. Like all the other relationship, if you look, they, she was given to Georgiou. She was given to Sarak. She was given to Spock, kind of like she entered yeah. this relationship without any word to say. She was okay and hold on to that and okay and hold on to that, right? Even Lorca, uh, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. always the same system, but book, it's different. She entered it willingly by herself. She pushed him, actually. <laughs> you remember yeah. well, like he's not <laughs> totally. at the beginning, he doesn't know. And she's like, she's the one being, no, this is what I want. I want this relationship. So, in the end, I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually really beautiful in the arc of the character that Book is returned to her because that's the only relationship that, I mean, we end the relationship that she has with her crew, and we see her do that with Oshikun. We see her do that with Detmer. We didn't speak about Detmer so much, but mm-hmm. yeah. um, same, like, see, having, like, these people that she creates this beautiful relationship with and then she can really be Michael in this relationship. So I'm glad books was given back to her. That's a beautiful, like, you know, gift to the character. Literal (laughs) rebirth for him. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. And, like, I think, too, it's important to note that, like, book was her only relationship that was not affiliated with Starfleet in some way. And that, Mm -hmm. I think, is also so important because of her struggles with Starfleet and her just trying to oscillate between Starfleet and her own choices and finding this happy medium. And I think also it helps that she's captain now, you know, because then mm-hmm. like she, you know, there's so many Starfleet captains who could break protocol and they won't get cite- cited for it because it's usually some like, you know, world ending stakes. And so I think that that like really helps her. She found a perfect position in Starfleet and the perfect person to help her navigate. And 
I think mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's so beautiful. And Book, I think, is someone who brings out so much of who she is like meant to be and who she kind of hid away for a while. And like we were saying, mm-hmm. Spock's the only one to really know her. I think Book is as well finally broke through that barrier in that year they had together because she didn't have this sort of I have to be Starfleet I have to be a certain way she could just be truly who she was absolutely and I love their scene at the end where I think it's the first time in several episodes like since we lost books planet that he's actually smiling and joking around with her and she's so relieved like oh my gosh he's alive and they joke they he tells that story about when she's like shivering on the planet and she's like I'm not shivering I'm moving around for warmth and he's like that's what (laughs) shivering is Michael like that's it's such a cute scene and I just really felt affirmation about the relationship Mm -hmm. um giraffe everything you said about like the the redemption of like like book like she really deserves this relationship is so true I also felt that way and I was watching this with my husband and when book came back he was like oh god another character who didn't die Um, so the great cola and then yeah. he talked to the fathers yeah. and he came back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, uh, so I was feeling a little like cheapened by that initially mm-hmm. too, but I agree. Like, I'm so glad book is back. And also it is in Star Trek tradition. You know, one of the most heartbreaking scenes is Spock's death. And we've been talking about Spock this whole yeah. episode. So like, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't really die. I mean, that's yeah. literally why Ashlyn chose our next series to be fake out deaths because yes. like there's so many of them. That's actually like a, a plug. I wanted to bring that up because yeah. we will be going over all the fake out deaths in Star Trek, which is so many. There's so, so many. many. I, I think the best one is in Lower Decks, I have to say. Yes. This is the yes. most yes. incredible fake out death that Star Trek has ever given us, ever. Okay. Yes. yes. It's amazing. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, I also, too, want to talk a little bit about Michael's just incredible communication skills. And, like, we didn't get to talk about some of the early episodes where she's helping the tardigrade or talking to the little trans worm. Or, you know, and there's there's all these times where she's communicating with, Money. like, yeah, <laughs> with, like, sentient beings or animals or, you know, like, all of because she is a xenoanthropologist. So, like, obviously she has quite a lot of experience. But I think really we got to see her communication and like ambassadorial skills she she probably learned from Sarek shine here because she is just like I mean through this whole arc the last few episodes of the season where they're learning about the language and like how it's you know emotion based and all of this stuff I think it's so cool because she has literally been like this whole time sort of warring between her logic side and her emotional side and learning how to navigate them both together and this is a literal species who like only communicates via emotion and so it's completely different than how she had to navigate uh unification three or the like navarre rejoining the federation all of this stuff yeah go ahead but there's this incredible scene where she explains vulcan crazy to sarah which is so good we're just like okay she's acting like this but it means that, and it means this, <laughs> and they're basically fucked up. Don't worry, it's okay. They're repressing, it's fine. It's like, they're repressed, motherfuckers. It's okay. Just like go through the motion. She actually yes. likes you. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh, she's yes. the like, ultimate wingman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, literally. 
Oh, she's just amazing. And like, so many of the uh, ambassadors or the other people that they were supposed to bring on to help, like, did not help at all. And it, once again, it's Michael doing most of the work. Also, Saru doing the, the fast typing and translating. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I just It's fun to watch, especially seeing their first contact and seeing it be something that feels a little more like... I, don't, I hate to say classic Trek because all Trek is classic and amazing, but mm -hmm. like it feels a little more TOS, TNG, where we just like literally having a first contact episode. Of course, it is a, under the guise of this whole series arc and everything, but I still was just so happy that like they all kind of got to nerd out for a minute about having first contact with the 10Z. That was really cute. <laughs> all that thanks to dead baby dust. Remember <laughs> <laughs> this, please. <laughs> If that's not Star Trek, I don't know what that is. <laughs> that episode, Rosetta, whatever it was called, I was I, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't know what no. they were smoking, but like... That was... Yeah. Dead baby dust! <laughs> horrible, horrible. And I mean, like... Oh my god, and they're like, oh, I can feel the love. No, they're all dead <laughs> yeah, they're in terrible all dead. ways. What are you saying? Oh my I god. literally this thought Culver was going to like get addicted to the love dust or something. I, I was, was like, like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. All the baby dust. Oh my god. It's and, and I have to say, like you're speaking about our communication skill, but I think it's like empath empathetic skill. Uh, mm -hmm. sympathetic too. Mm -hmm. uh, you see it with Endoye because she understands her position. I mean, she was wrong. She fucked yeah. them up. <laughs> but <laughs> she understands where he comes from because she was the mutineer. She was the person that tried something yeah. thinking it was the good way. It was the only like solution. And Thank God, and though you didn't get em, get got them all killed, like because mm -hmm. Michael was here, but she she has been in so many positions, in so many uh, trauma, in so many problems, in so many dead ends. She can see through the eyes of all these people around her, including Tilly, including Colbert, including Saru, including Tarina, including like. All the people around her, and I think the parallel between Endoye's um, mutiny—it's not really a mutiny, but mm -hmm. well, sabotage mm -hmm. or whatever—and yeah. the action of Michael again in the Battle of Binary Star is so parallel and so interesting. But Endoye gets redemption because she's mm -hmm. around people that understand why she did it. I mean, she should have done a little bit more of jail, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. little bit, a little bit um, of jail. Yeah, I guess because yeah. she sacrificed uh, her life. Maybe they were like, "That's good enough." I don't yeah. Know. yeah, that's true. I <laughs> yeah. forgot that. Yeah, she actually mm -hmm. goes and she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna." Yeah, that's true. It's okay mm -hmm. then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's interesting all the ways that they all differently approach that problem between Tarka and Book and Michael and uh, the president of um, the Federation and uh, Tarina, like they all have like this different point of view of the same problem, which is actually super interesting. And the only one able to navigate all this is Michael. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I hadn't put that connection together between Ndoye and Michael, but you're so right. Like they're both just following the cause they believe in. That's so cool. I think we need some toasts. Yeah. <laughs> we have a couple here. All right.
I'm gonna go with I the think, toast to Endo, yeah. Yeah, take us home. Because yes, yes. Yeah. I would like to propose a toast. So I didn't really wrote a toast about Endo, yeah, to be honest, because we don't know enough know. about yeah. General yeah. Endo, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I am here for the fashion. I am here for the cape. Yes. I am yes. here for the hats. Yes. I am here for, I'm sorry, I'm General of Earth. Yes. Get out of my yard. Mm -hmm. I'm yes. here <laughs> for... <laughs> <laughs> I am here for you made me lost my friend now. <laughs> got me. I am here for the pilot skill. I am here for I'm gonna give my life to make up for my mistakes. And I am here for the redemption. I am here for going home and coming home and going back to being a badass on earth to general yes. Endoye. Yes, Endoye. Yes. <laughs> I'm yeah. dry, I'm dry. She, yeah. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is one of the coolest parts is when they're like, oh, we got to lock everyone down and figure out who did this. And Andoy's like, it was me. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, just coming me. clean. I thought that was classy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's mm -hmm. like, don't mm -hmm. worry about it. I, I did yeah, I what did yeah. I thought was best, which how different is it from Michael in Binary yeah. Stars, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Michael was right. That's a difference. Yeah, that's true. It's true. <laughs> true. It's true. And Book was like, not okay. Okay, um, Giraffe, do you want to give us a little Torino love in our next toast? Oh, yeah, we have, like, we have free president to go. Yes. yes. Oh, president this is, of yes, president the of Earth and yes. president of the Federation. Yes. Uh, Amazing. Uh, women <laughs> ruling everywhere, queens, presidents. I'm here for this. I would like to propose a toast. Mm -hmm. Okay, Torino. President Torino, soft Vulcan, sweet Vulcan, little bowl of logic. <laughs> Uh, yes. I'm so happy that we get finally a Vulcan that kind of makes sense sometimes. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that their coming together with the Romans would give us Turina, but here we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm here for the Vulcan uh, 3.0, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Thank you for all these little windows into the dating life of a Vulcan. Yes. Us readers of fan fictions have been here for many years. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So we are now confirmed that going to drink tea doesn't really mean what it means. <laughs> and trash talk shack meditation quotation mark can be a little bit naughty. So Nivor say Nivor to love, Tarina. I'm here for your endeavors in season five. Yes. Bring it on. Yes. Tarina. <laughs> She's awesome too because like Last week we talked to Paul in Enterprise and how, like, there are just not enough Vulcan women who are, like, full Vulcans. We get, like, you know, I mean, we get T'Pring and a couple others, but they're only, you know, so brief. And we only get these segments of Chipal. them. only Yeah, literally, like... Like this is this is all we have, and so it's really nice to have Tarina as another representation of, like, just strong badass Vulcan women doing what they do. Like I just ah oh, I love it. 
Love to see it. Wait for Tipring. They're giving us so much Tipring. I'm pretty yes, sure. I'm so oh. curious about yeah. Tipring. Vulgan <laughs> bad bitches everywhere. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, do you think they're they're gonna bring Tipao back? Because like I am obsessed with her and like how she's just like sits there. Tipao. Are the Vulcan? I love the human. Yes. <laughs> she's like, you may fight the battle. Yeah. <laughs> <I love Tipao. laughs> awesome. This is the Vulcan heart. Yes. yes. The Vulcan soul. <laughs> I have it written on the opposite wall. That's why I was yes! like reading it. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> oh I God. have like this quote from Amok Time, like on the other. <laughs> Perfection. I love that. Yeah. Well, Ashlyn, you want to give him some, give us some President Relic love? Oh yeah, sure. Why not? I would like to propose a toast. All right. So President Relic, my toast is real. I have been sus of you since the beginning, but watching your changing relationship with Michael, I have come to respect you as a president and a person. Being a politician isn't easy, and it's even harder to be a person of bravery and distinction. I hope you continue to serve your federation well, and I'm watching you. <laughs> Ooh, a little threatening toast. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, Ashlyn. I think I had to grow on Relic a lot. I think that she pushed Michael in a lot of situations that I was like, please don't. <laughs> like, just let her live her life. Um, but also, I think the fact that she's Cardassian is super awesome. Like, that yeah. is just the coolest thing. I think so, yeah. too. I'm going to just, like, go into my favorite topic in Star Trek. But again, yeah. the biracial characters they give us are mm -hmm. so interesting uh i mean being human and Cardassian, how does that work i want to know yeah. more how do you like combine the two cultures what happened to them you know in the future who are they and um we see a little bit we see uh during the italian cat uh, you have a vulcan a romulan and a vulcan romulan with the mm -hmm. with the woman on mm -hmm. the panel right mm -hmm. and she yeah. gets all the shit <laughs> By yeah. the way, <laughs> so true. And mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to see what Strange New World does with this. I do hope they're not gonna give us a, you know, a Bellana Taurus bullshit half whatever. I mean, please, please, biracial people are not half and half. They're end yeah. and end. Thank yes. you. Thank <laughs> you. Yes. So, so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to see what they're gonna do with Relic. I'm, I, I want to know more. I want to know more. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh! Absolutely. Well, Giraffe, I think take us home with one of the most epic cameos that we have. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would like to propose a toast. So first of all, uh, you can imagine that I screamed like uh, yeah. an ungodly human when <laughs> that happened. I'm gonna speak of the president of Earth. Woo! First of all, my my toast is not really to the president of Earth. Mm -hmm. My toast is to Stacey Abrams. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because what really, what I really enjoyed when I saw that episode is seeing a black woman living her best life. Yes. A Trekkie like me who made it on the screen, who made it to be the president of the goddamn planet. And that, that is hope, because that's what Star Trek is all about, right? Give us hope, give us a vision of the future where I can see my best life. And as a black woman, Trekkie, 
I want to be on Star Trek. I want to be the president <laughs> yes. of Earth. But I am not worthy. Who of us is worthy enough? Stacy, Mother Abrams. Because she's giving so much to everybody every day. I went to Georgia. I literally came back with only Stacy Abrams stickers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's the way to do it. Yes. <laughs> and I do respect that it must have been the best secret ever because I had heard nothing and I hear a lot of things on the grapevine, but this one was kept with a religious silence mm -hmm. for us to enjoy that moment where she comes out of the shuttle and we all had to double take and yes. be like, wait, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is a beautiful present that Discovery has given us. And I don't care for people that don't want that present. I'll take yes. it for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. So to Stacey Abrams, to black women ruling the planet, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. to the president of Earth, yes. <laughs> that was an incredible toast. I was literally, yeah, same, just screaming. And I also love at the Discovery panel at Mission Chicago, they said that Stacey Abrams did some acting back in the day. And so like, they were all like, whoa, you're like also amazing at this. <laughs> like, not only are you Stacey Abrams, but you're also like a great actor. And that is just, oh, to women a being writer, versatile and yes, great in every an field. actor. A yeah. politician. She's helping to <laughs> like, like stop like really unfair redistricting of Georgia. Yeah. Like she's getting black voters out there because people are actively Republicans trying to stop black people from voting. It's really fucked up. If you don't yeah. know who Stacey Abrams is, I'm just saying like, please, yeah. please, please, <laughs> please go look her up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And to go full circle again, I think it's important because they're not only Americans watching the show, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it brings to to other uh, people around the planet who she is and what she's fighting against and what is the reality of American politics too? Because mm -hmm. I do think that without living here, I would have no clue yeah. that it's actually a thing in the richest country of the world. It, like, I was mind blown when I saw that. I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah. So I do think it's important to like broadcast these ideas abroad too, because there are other countries where there are other suppressions, right? And there are other countries too that are unaware of the situation here. So it's great. Even if many people won't know, like I remember many French people were like, who's Stacey Abrams? I was like, let me tell you who Stacey Abrams is. <laughs> yeah. Welcome down. to my TED Talk. Yes. Sit down. Yes. How long do you have? An hour? Great. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think this is, this is very important too, like to keep in mind that Star Trek is not only Americans. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Even exactly. if it's, and it's why Enterprise didn't work abroad too. It's way too American, by the way. I'm, Side note, I'm but sure. Fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it very much is branded that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, just fantastic. I'm so happy we've got to have you on our show, Giraffe. I mean, I just, wait. It's finished. Yeah, yeah. We're done. <gasps> I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Rhiannon and I are going to spend time talking about the rest of the main characters. Honestly, Loki in a part two episode because yeah. <laughs> this was a good like two and a half hour party yeah. where we yes. talked about Michael. Mm -hmm. We did some amazing shout outs to these amazing women. And 
I, wow. I mean, everything Giraffe said, I'm like writing it down. I have a novel that's like amazing quotes (laughs) from Giraffe. I just, thank you so much for your perspective and thank you for... prepped. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just amazing. Just thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me because like actually thinking about a character for four seasons is something I had never done. We always do these like... um, episode review right so it's a really like one shot into like one part of one season and seeing what they did with the character is actually like opening my eyes to many things so thank you give a big hug to Owoshikun who's my queen my love Owoshikun yes Yes. oh wow (laughs) oh wow (laughs) (laughs) and uh, thank you again it was uh, two hours of fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, Giraffe. And thank you all for listening. We really appreciate you. And just keep tuning in. We're finishing up our feminism series and it's going to be wild. Oh, and Giraffe, where can we find Strange New Pod? So we are on Twitter at Strange New Pod. We are on the internet, uh, <laughs> strangenewpod.com. And you can find us on Twitch every Thursday live at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you want to see more of me, I'm on Twitter at lyrical underscore giraffe with one F. That's me. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Rian and I had a blast um, reviewing All It's Possible with mm-hmm. Strange yeah. New Pod. And I love hearing your hot takes. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. Because yeah. <laughs> I, it's like my go-to. It's like I have, again, because I have no real life friends who watch Star Trek. Yeah. So I just listen to Strange New Pod and I feel like I've uh, gotten out all my emotions over the new yeah. episodes. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and Rihanna was with us live in Chicago too. Yes. Uh, I was mainly cold and um, <laughs> in my fifth or sixth drink. I don't remember. <laughs> it was kind of an yeah, epic we were... uh, recording. That was fun. That was so. It fun. was I, epic. I love getting to talk with the new shows with all of you, and and getting to hear your live shows is so fun. I feel like I'm in the room with all of you. So thank you so much for all the work you do on Strange New Pod, all the stuff you're doing, just in general. Thank you for your Ahura Shrine, your amazing talks. Like we just love you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Wow, what a fantastic experience with Giraffe. I feel so fulfilled and just like full of happiness just yeah what like, a wonderful guest i'm ready to go like do some women's marches like you know i'm ready to break some glass ceilings like i just feel so empowered and i'm so grateful to giraffe for bringing on her amazing perspective and i am like so shocked that this episode ended up being as long as it was Ashley. okay so rihanna and i i'm just giving you guys like an insight i'm giving you all an insight into like our thought process is like whenever we have a guest we want them to focus on one character or in some cases like one episode of whatever part of the whole like podcast episode we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. and so for giraffe we gave her like okay we're gonna talk about michael obviously that's like a massive amazing character to cover plus all of these toasts and i literally budgeted like an hour and a half i was like okay that's all we're gonna need and bro like we (laughs) 
<laughs> that episode was so long, but I felt so happy the entire time. And like, we, we had such an amazing discussion. Rhiannon and I had a quick meeting between saying goodbye to Giraffe. And we have officially decided to make this a two-part episode. You know us followers, like normally we have planned our two-parters well in <laughs> advance, but this really caught us off guard. And honestly, there are so many women and there's so many women in Discovery. And so I feel like now in our part two episode, we are really going to be able to dive even deeper. I know that's what you all want is deeper yeah. dives into these amazing women. I mean, that's why you come to this show, right? Like, <laughs> Or else why are you here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. Please tune in next week, seriously, um, and we will continue talking about people we barely mentioned on this yeah, episode. Can give, like, can I give them a yes, little taste? Yes, yes, yes. So we are going to be covering in part two, Mira Jarjo, Tilly, Reno, Detmer, Owoshikan, and then we will also be doing Toast. Anyway, we have so many more women to cover because Discovery is so feminist, and we can't wait to talk about that. But yeah, just please stay tuned and stick around. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. We really hope you go and check out Strange New Pod. Like if you're like me, like I mentioned with Giraffe and don't have any friends who can talk about Star Trek with. (laughs) If you listen to Strange New Pod, it feels like you are getting to relieve your emotions and your stress and your excitement and anxiety all in their episode. They have so many hosts. It's fantastic. Um, I just, wow, thank you to Giraffe. This was a really special episode. And thank you to Rihanna for joining me. I feel like this entire episode, I was just nodding yes to everything because Rihanna and Giraffe had such fantastic insights. So, yeah. Don't sell yourself short, Ashlyn. You had incredible insights too. Well, thank you. Well, Rihanna, I can't wait to discuss the rest of these fantastic women next week on Discovery. And in the meantime, I hope everyone lives long and they prosper. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the eighth episode of our feminism series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the rest of the women in Star Trek Discovery. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr and TikTok, and especially our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of the movie Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these amazing podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, and movies. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these fantastic episodes. Social media and marketing is by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and also Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and also Ashlyn Gelman. Both our intro and our outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Damn, Ashlyn. Ashlyn's done with her toes. Well, that's why I was like, I don't really want to do Relic, but I will. Sorry. <laughs> I forced her to Relic. Um, Honestly, there, also... there were some women we didn't include because they were, like, murderous. So I could even add those. The lady who, like, 
uh, tortured the Targ. Yeah. I mean, not, not the Targ. That's a Klingon who tortured the... Tardigrade? Tardigrade. Well, anyway. Worf just rolled in his, <laughs> his captain's court. chair, wherever he is. 